HBMFD. How about those marvelously fantastic dogs? How about those mighty fabulous dogs? How about those majestic furry dogs? How about those, um, hmm, what are two other words that start with an M and an F that would make sense here? Oh, well, it'll come to me eventually. It's time for the Mad Dog Show, coming to you live from the Park Group Studio in the heart of the Bulldog Nation. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Samford Company, Dogbone.net, Bulldog Illustrated, Classic City Collective, The Park Group Marketing and Media, Bib Distributing, Sellers Construction, Ventures Barbecue, Go Clean Co., Jay Lee, Attorney at Law, Pelicano Construction, Jag's Pizzeria, Megan Monogram, Ortho Georgia, Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Butler Auto Group, ASP, Ward Mini Storage, Walthall Oil Company, Beach Services, Willingham Sashendor, and Grenford Chiropractic. Now, here he is, the Mad Dog. All that matters is that we're undefeated and we're still number one. And now it's Tennessee week, and they easily have the fugliest uniforms in all of college football. Nothing orange is intimidating. Nothing. Not pumpkins, not butternut squash, not apricots, not monarch butterflies, not carrots, not cantaloupes, and not clownfish. And your mascot is a volunteer. And this week, you're volunteering for a bulldog butt kicking, and your wish shall be granted by King Kirby. It's Hobnail Boot Week, and that's why David Green is back. He was the one who was actually wearing the hobnail boots that the late, great Larry Munson made so famous. Green will be joined by his teammate, who is our own Dr. Ryan Snetzer, whose street name is, of course, Dr. Feelgood, our new regular contributor, Cassidy Pearson, from Any Given Saturday Podcast. Well, she will continue to terrify me with facts that she has uncovered from the college football landscape. Look her up on YouTube, Any Given Saturday Podcast. And it's Buffalo's birthday, for goodness sakes. He will be extra feisty and extra snarky. Dogger, you ask? H-E-L-L-Yes is my answer. And the stat freak, well, he's still celebrating the clinching of the East and on special assignment out West. We're playing the Tennessee Orange Creamsicles. And here's what Larry Munson had to say about it once upon a time. Playing what amounts to a 4 4 fake. And there's a touchdown! Touchdown, my God, a touchdown! We threw it to Haynes! We just stepped it with five seconds left! My God Almighty, did you see what he did? David Green just straightened up, and we snuck the fullback over. Haynes is keeping the ball. Haynes has come running all the way across to the bench. We just dumped it over. It's 26 to 24. We just stepped on their face with a hobnailed boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face. We dumped it over. David Green brought us flying down the field. And we welcome back Dr. Feelgood. What is up? How are you, Dr. Snetzer? I'm doing well, my friend. Uh, another big win for the dogs on uh, Saturday. You get you get real high marks. All your guys came back except JDJ. We got out relatively unscathed, uh, other than tell us about Humphrey. 
Yeah, Humphrey, you know, they're, they're kind of playing it quiet. It, you know, it looked like it's some kind of shoulder injury. Uh, I've heard maybe collarbone, clavicle. Um, you know, it's really hard to say, you know, but they're they kind of listed him as day-to-day. He said he's a little uh, – Kirby George, he's a little dinged up right now. So uh, that's about all the information <laughs> out there. Uh, you know, what that means is hard to tell, but, you know, you know, it's just – tell there's another one of these going to be day-to-day, and we'll see when we can get him back. So let's just go worst case. Let's say he broke his collarbone. I mean, could he possibly be back for a natty? So what is that? Six weeks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, six weeks. Six weeks would be right about on the head, depending on how, how bad it was and how fast he heals. That'd be right on the right about that time. I mean be close if it if it is broken. Um is it seven? Maybe seven weeks. I'd have to look exactly at the schedule, but you know, you think six to eight weeks to heal. Mm-hmm. So um it'd be close. Yeah, so let's see. Saturday was what? The 10th? The 10th, yeah. So I'm 30 days here. in November. So it's 20 days plus 31 is 51 days. So that's seven weeks as of January 1. And then he's got another week for a natty after that because the game's on the 8th, right? Well, I mean, if he's got seven weeks as of January 1, he could play in a semi. In theory, yes. You know, by that means, you know, he won't be able hitting and doing any of that until that about that time. Mm-hmm. He'll be able to run and do some conditioning as he get as it starts to heal. If I mean, we're saying this is all if it's a broken collarbone, uh, we don't know that for sure at all. But um, have know, you heard? Up. Have you heard anything about Dumas Johnson? Because it's like he's just falling off the face of the earth. We went from looking for innovative ways to just nothing. I think he said kind of the same thing. He said we're still working on it. Nothing. Nothing new. Um, again, you know, not knowing exactly where the fracture was, and you know. It's hard to say when and when it's going to be back. All right. So as a lineman, I'm sure that you keyed in on Amarius Mims. How did he look to you? He looked good. You know, he got in that rotation. You know, I think off the line all together looked really good. On Saturday. I mean, the whole offense looked good. I mean, they couldn't, you know, we they couldn't stop us. I mean, I think we we didn't have a third down until about our third third or fourth possession, right? I think we only had two or three third down. We converted those. We scored on all the drives in the first half. I mean, you know, the offense just looked – Looks like they were in key. You know, I think the week before against Missouri, I thought I watched um, Beck. I thought he was a little off on some of his timing maybe. But, man, he was – he made some good throws on Saturday. He really did. He makes them look effortless. Golly. I mean, I, I was sitting in the stands, and I looked at the guy next to me. I was like, I don't know how many people can make – I'm trying to remember that touchdown going towards the scoreboard where he kind of hit – he had, a, he had a, a defender over the top and a defender underneath, and he hit that. I can't remember who it was, too. Um, McConkey, McConkey, yeah. I mean, that was a great throw. I saw. I don't know what show it was. Maybe it was Read and React, but where they said that throw that he made right there was impossible to defend. No, I mean, I looked. I saw. I mean, I was sitting on the other side of the stadium. Uh That guy dismissed it. That is a that is an NFL throw. Like you exactly, yeah. And like the fact the fact that you know he was and and there were some other throws. I'm trying to remember. There was there was a couple other ones where I looked at him, but man, this guy right here is. He's on point tonight. And if we can see him do like that and the offensive line block like that, we ran the ball well. I mean, that's as good as I've seen our offense play in a long time. I mean, and and, and I and watching that the watching the pass you're talking about, watching the replay from behind Beck, when you're yeah. watching it, you're like, I can't believe he's even gonna attempt this pass. Yeah, which is where I'm at with. I'm I'm, thinking, I'm kind of in that end zone looking out that way. So I saw it from there. I was like, I was like whoa, he threw that? And then I was like, oh man. Like it was a laser. It was, a, it was a laser, man. It was on the, right on the spot. I mean, great throw. 
And um, speaking of how great our offensive line did, there there's a particular position on the line called the tight end, and we yeah. had we had a guy we had a guy come back. He came back out there, man. I'll tell you what, it was a uh, it was a good to see him. And I'll tell you what, that first move he made after that catch, he's back. I mean, he he, he I don't think he had any. You know, I think that's the hardest thing for him to be able to do that and know that he can do that. And I think get, letting him get out there and make that play right there, I think the fact that he was able to make that play early in the game really kind of let him kind of open it up a little bit. It uh, looked like there was zero lingering effect. It looked like he hadn't even had a, uh, an ingrown toenail or a hangnail. It was just – it was the old Brock Bowers 100% back. It wasn't like a token start on a pitch count. Yep. Just going to start the game. I mean, he just – he finished it. Yep, he did. I mean, he played great. Looked looked good out there. Um, you know, I don't think I'm trying to remember exactly how many snaps he would have played. Like thirty percent off the snaps. I can't remember the number they said. Was, yeah, I want for some reason the number forty six is sticking in my head. I don't know if that was percent or that was snaps, but her, Kirby said it was the same as he normally does. Yeah. So I thought. I mean, I thought he looked he looked good out there. Um, yeah. You know, they got down, lined up, did some blocking too, not just running routes. So you know, putting that pressure on there for the blocking, you want to be able to see that. Um, yeah. I thought, I mean, he looked great out there. Uh, I, you know, yeah, Kendall Milton, there? Kendall Milton, who'd been so banged up, he finally looked healthy. Golly, they did. I mean, all the running backs looked good, but he did look good. He looked good. And then uh, Paul was in there. He was looking, you know, he was in mop up. And then we even saw uh, Roderick Robinson out there. Um, so, I mean, it's like, okay, finally we have a full stable of backs. We're about as healthy as we're going to be right now, too. I mean, you know, we've got a few guys that had no, you know, season-ending injuries. They're out offensively, but mm-hmm. I mean, from an offensive standpoint, we we got we had a lot of guys back. You know, McConkey and Bowers were obviously the big two. Um, and I mean, I feel like they're finally hitting their stride. I think, you know, I think a lot of the same offense with having a new coordinator. They're still a little bit of let's feel each other out a little bit, maybe. And so, you know, we're game ten, and they looked. I mean. And they look as good as they, they can be there. Bobo's trying to break his own record for most points in a season. He's at like 40.6, which is like yeah. a half a yard off the record that he uh, helped yeah. to coach. And it's just it's just a beautiful thing to see. And, and yeah, I mean, We kind of talked about this last week with Greeny. You know, people, well, they want to find something. I mean, they feel like, you know, they're nitpicking to try to find something to say, okay, we can do this better, find something to complain about. And so they like to get on to Bobo. But man, if you look at the job he's done, I mean, he had to follow. Uh, I mean, those guys that he's following. I mean, he has done a great job, and I and I'm and I'm the first person to say I'm the biggest Bobo supporter out there. So, um, you know, he was obviously Greeny's <clears throat> quarterback coach when he was there, and so we got to spend as a center and off the line. We spent a lot of time together with him. Um, great coach and a good person. Yeah, I, I've been a supporter the uh, the entire way through, and, and it's just great to see good things happen to good people. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, I'm not shocked at all. Just like you're not shocked. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what, I mean, what it, I think what it really shows too is how good a coach he is and, and how, and the level, I mean, look, I mean, he took, he, he struggled at, you know, Colorado state, but to be able to come back here and, and take the talent that we have, the great talent and show that we, what we, what he can do, you know, I know people want to give him a hard time about not doing well at the other places, but you, you give him some talent, you give him the, some receivers and a quarterback, this guy can make, make, make things happen. Hey, there's a there's a guy right here who knows a little bit about him too. I think you recognize Mr. Dave Green. What's up, fellas? What is the good word? The good word is we got you indoors. You're not moving around. Got a great picture. I got some Wi-Fi. 
Yeah. Wi-Fi. Yeah. I mean, you must have practices rained out. Well, we're over, man. Our, our varsity team got beat. Oh, no. no more practice. It's actually uh, it's actually kind of nice to come home for a night or two every now and then. Yeah, I bet. I remember those days. <laughs> we were just we were just singing the praises of Mike Bobo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he deserves it. I tell you what, that um, the offense is clicking, man, on yeah. all cylinders, and can't give Carson Beck enough credit too for man, he is just efficient. He takes what they give him right now. When it's covered, he sees an opening. He runs at the right time. You know how sometimes quarterbacks like, oh, I'm going to run, and oh, man, that hole closed up and I shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Uh, he checks down when he needs to. He's just playing really good football. Running game, man, how about Kendall Milton, fellas? I mean, he is – he looks different. Yep. yep. He looks different. Um, the other kid I'm really excited about, y'all, is um, – and I don't even know his last name because I haven't – you know, followed recruiting that and that much, but that number three, that little tailback came at the end of the game. Andrew Paul, mm-hmm. whatever his name is, I like his running style. Yeah, that dude, he looks like he passed the eye test for me. Yeah, um, and I know it's cleanup duty and the whole deal, but um, he looked pretty sporty. Yeah. Well, he's the one who blew out his ACL uh, beginning of last year, so he missed his whole freshman year and has just really been trying to. You know, yeah. get confidence uh, with that knee, and it, and it looks like he's coming around at just the right time. Well, he looked good to me. I, I love – I mean, he's got some good body lean. He runs behind his pass well. And, look, I get his fourth quarter of the Ole Miss game. I mean, they were – it's a little bit of cleanup duty, but um, that's the first time I've really seen him ever run the ball. And uh, he looked good. And offensive line, I mean, Snatch, you can yeah. allude to this, but, I mean, boy, there were some holes – you know, and, they, and and the offensive line has really gotten better mm. throughout this year. Um, I think I saw something where Carson Beck did not even get touched by a defender the entire game. Not even on the run plays that he slid. No one laid a finger on him for the entire game. I don't even know if that's ever happened before. Yeah. I don't well, know. We, we were that good for you, I can tell you that. So <laughs> <laughs> no, you, took, you, you took a few for us, but uh Hey, I never had surgery, Snets. I played 52 games in the SEC and never had surgery. And I'm not a physical specimen, as y'all can tell. So you did good enough. Hey, you look you look like a physical specimen when you're getting recognized out on the field at Sanford on Saturday, man. That was cool. That was fun. Yeah, it was so much fun to be able to be down on the field, environment like that, get to see some former players too, and and get to meet some guys. Like, I mean, like Stetson was right there. I had I've never met Stetson before. And um, and then all the other guys, you know, Champ was out there. You name it. There was a long list. The Eagles were awesome. A bunch of the, you know, guys with the Eagles were all down there. And it was, it was just a fun day. It was just an electric feel in Sanford Stadium. It was fun. Now, were you – did you go in the locker room before the game or – No, I don't have that kind of access. I okay. mean, I'm lucky to get down on the field. You know, Stop I gotta, it. Stop seriously. it. Seriously. Hey, man, it's like – um. But no, they they they're good to us. So no, I, I had not been in a locker room for a game, but I, it was fun. I was able to watch the game uh, down there on the field, and I had my son there, and my nephew, and my brother-in-law, and man, we had a blast. So you're all you're down there on the field with the team watching it. I was watching it like there were people getting tackled at our feet. Man, there was one time I thought I was gonna have to jump up. I didn't want to get my ACL rolled up on. <laughs> I was gonna have to go down there and see Snetzer. I was going to say, I don't know, the jump might have been a, a, a tough turn for you there. I don't know. We'll see what you got still. 
Yeah. You don't want to see Snetzer. If you're seeing Snetzer, you got big problems. I got bigger problems. I'd be seeing Register up here in Athens. Yeah, yeah, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got to talk about it. Hobnail boot. Tis the season. Tell us about, first of all, just Neyland Stadium. Oh, it's a great – look, that is a tough place to play. Now, the one thing I think that is going to be necessary is we're going to have to jump on these boys early because if they are in the game, that place is crazy loud. Um, and, look, they know – I mean, they know the East is, clen- is clenched already. They would love nothing more than to just spoil it for us, right? Yeah. And, um, but tough environment. Um, your place can rock it. It's don't, when they scored in 01 right there, right before we came back and scored, it's the only time in my career that I actually felt the ground shaking due to noise. The ground shook. I'm not kidding. It's the only time I ever felt that in my career. It was, it was that loud. So you get the ball back, was it with like 36 seconds? I think it was more than that. I, I was thinking it was maybe in the mid-40s. Okay. Uh, oh, tons of time. Mid-40s. Tons of time. I mean, <laughs> you know, just hours on the clock. Right. First play we called Freedom Top, Mad Dog. Okay. Freedom Top. Freedom's protection. Five-man protection. Can only block five. Top means tailback option. And all we're trying to do is run four verticals, make everybody – you know, they were playing prevent. Make everybody think we're going deep. And we had Damian Garriott tailback. And as David Pollock would say, you can't two-hand touch Damian Gary in an elevator. I mean, he's <laughs> that quick. And sure enough, they're playing zone coverage. I dump it down to Damian, and he gets like eight or nine more yards after that. Um, well, we're already past midfield or at midfield at this point. I think we called – you remember Smoke, Snets? We called Smoke, which was a rollout. Rollout with the smash concept. It wasn't there. Burn it. And that's the one thing Coach Rick would always say is, you, number one, you can't take a sack in this deal you can't take a sack um and then if it's not there don't worry about it just burn it like it, mm-hmm. i mean you got four down smooth chains and we called i think it was 560 switch and we hit randy mcmichael and look i didn't know if it was one safety two safeties and that makes a difference if he runs a post or stays vertical randy didn't really know either but it's you know we're like screw it man you gotta make it we gotta make a play here and um and he did buddy that i, I don't know i still don't know how that ball got through there and he called it. Then we come back past 44 Tennessee, which was fullback in the flat. Randy on a uh, on like a deep cross. And uh, it was one safety, so he broke it on down, and we hit him there. And, heck, guys, we're like on a 10-yard line at this point, right? Okay, back up. How many timeouts have you burned during this time? None. You burned none. So are, none. Are, you, are the plays being signaled into you? Do you have – are you calling them? No, well, they're being – yeah, no. He, I look over and he's saying, hey, pass 44 Tennessee. He's giving me the signals. Now, back then, we did everything hand signals. So, I would tell, like, Snetzer in the line, hey, uh, you know, pass 44, pass 44, and I would give a signal to the receivers. And Tennessee okay. was – I don't know what the – I don't remember what the signal was at the time, but there would be a signal for Tennessee. And I was signaling out there, the tight end, fullback, tailback, receiver, everybody would see it, and everybody knew what to do. Okay. And so that way we could operate with really out being able to hear uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. And I could tell the line and they would tell each other. And so, um, and so, yeah, we got down to 10 yard line. I, I think it was after past 44 Tennessee's when we burned the timeout when we were on maybe the 10 yard line. Um, I go over there to see coach Rick 
And he says, look, Green, look, they play quarters covers. They've been playing quarters all game down here in the red zone. Uh, if we call pass 44 Haynes, if it's two safeties, he'll be wide open. If it's one safety, just throw it out of the back of the end zone. We'll, we'll run another play. And sure enough, it's like, I would tell you, it's like a golfer standing over a three-foot putt. When you get up line of scrimmage, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's two safeties. Yeah. He's going to be wide open. And what a great play call. I mean, I was a freshman quarterback, my first away game ever. And for for coach to be able to call a layup type play like that in that situation goes to show just how good of a coach he was. Okay, I forgot that you were a, you're a true freshman. Resser. All right, you're you're what nineteen years old? Yeah, pro- yeah. Probably. Nineteen. A first started an away game, over a hundred thousand people. You shut them up. Uh, the, the describe the feeling when he's you know, well, you throw it, you know he's going to catch it. He's wide open. But when he's caught it and you know it's done, what happened? How did you feel? Did it go blank? What <laughs> Describe it to me. No, I mean, honestly, at that point, um, there was still a little bit of time, maybe like 15 seconds or so. I was still kind of in that locked-in moment, like, okay, what do we do next? Like, we got we to gotta keep executing. And I think what we did, uh, and I could be wrong, I think we we went for two – and mm-hmm. just took a knee. Right. right. I don't remember. Um, so maybe I did black out. I don't remember exactly <laughs> what we did. Um, but I, I mean, I, I still was kind of, I was in game mode still. I wasn't, I wasn't ready to celebrate a victory because I knew that there were still more things we had to execute and kind of think through. At what point did you realize you had been a part of one of the most epic calls by Larry Munson of all time? Well, I, I mean, I didn't know it at the time. I mean, right. I so, well, I was so young, too. I mean, it was just like, yeah, man, that was a great football game. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize the, the magnitude of it, certainly at the time. And but uh, what I'm saying is, is like, was it Saturday night when somebody goes, oh, you got to hear how Munson called this? Was it Sunday? When Do you even remember? Yeah, I guess it was maybe mid-next week or maybe it may have been Sunday night when you started hearing people talk about the call and what Larry said and um and it's certainly when you hear it i mean anybody's george fan i mean it gets you excited because you could just see the you know just the authenticity and just how excited he was you know right. it wasn't scripted i mean he was saying stuff that i, I mean i didn't even know what a hobnail boot was i mean i've never, I've never <laughs> nobody heard anybody, did nobody never heard anybody mention it right? right so yeah it was uh it was really cool to be a part of something like that do you own any hobnail boots i do not <laughs> Maybe you should buy one. So when people ask you about it, I'm like, yep, these are hobnail boots. Yeah, somebody somebody told me before what, what they're actually used for, and I, I, I don't even remember now. I uh, think they're just boots that are cobbled together with something that is known as a hobnail. Okay. Don't, yeah. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll take you. We'll go with that for now. Exactly. Till we get some verification. Exactly. <laughs> Now, uh, are you by chance going to Knoxville? You know, I don't think so. Um, my wife's kind of got the itch to go, though. So we may, you know, if anybody's married, your wife starts saying, hey, let's, uh, yeah, you let's go. go. Yeah. Chances are greater we're going to maybe yeah. not. But she wants to take the crew up there because, you know, Knoxville, I mean, look, it's beautiful this time of year. Knoxville in the fall is awesome. Uh, I figured the tickets probably – um, a little cheaper than normal, and I've got 
six of us. So you can imagine, I got to find them on the cheap. To make are you going to are you going to take police fun. protection? I think you need police protection considering the the crimes that you have committed in Neyland Stadium. No, when I go up there, I just tell people my name's Daryl, and it, it's <laughs> Daryl Green. Daryl. That was yeah. your cousin, David. That was my cousin that played. <laughs> <laughs> now, Snitzer, you were you weren't a part of Hobnail, were you? Uh, I was not. You were you were what? Still in high school, or were you gone? I, I can't. Was a freshman that year. You're what? I was a redshirt freshman that year. I was redshirt freshman. Redshirt, I was redshirting that year. You're redshirting. I got you. Were you there? I was at the game. Yeah. Okay. What was? How was it from your perspective? Well, so I was in the stands for that okay. one. Okay. And um, I mean, you know, that, I mean, that was. It's, I mean, so feeling so long ago, but you never forget that play. I was down. Actually, the, so the Georgia fans were in that end zone that uh-huh. the touchdown. We were right on the corner there, and so to see that happen. I mean, you know, they had gone down the field with what like. I mean, they had, what, a minute or something when they got the ball and they went down to score. They hit a screen, hit a long, long screen pass down the sideline and they had a big play. You know, and they, you know, they thought that, I mean, that place was rocking. They thought the game was over. I, I mean, I want to say it was like in the 40, like 47 seconds or something. I mean, we moved the ball fairly methodically right down the field. And I mean, I was a short amount of time. And I mean, you it was to hear how quiet that stadium was, other mm-hmm. than where we were when that happened. Was I mean because that I mean that state of it rocking the whole game. It's a beautiful thing when yeah. you're playing on the road and yeah. you can hear a pin drop and then a little bitty roar. Yeah, you know something good's happened. Yep. Yeah, you go up there and you're trying to not hear Rocky Top. Yeah, you want to keep that you know below four times a game. Yeah, I mean, we had a good run. We beat them the next time we were there too. I mean, I, you know, we, yeah, we uh. We had some good runs there, and you know, that's when Sean Jones ran that one back at the end of the first yep. half. In the half, and we ended up just blowing them out in the second half. You know, it was fairly close first half. He picks it up, runs that back, and we think it's like a twenty-one-seven lead at halftime. I think. Yeah, were, I think they were coming in to tie us. Maybe we were at four, we were at fourteen-seven, and he literally takes that out of the running back's hand on the one-yard line and runs it back ninety-nine yards. So y'all were both a part of that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I was three. I'll yeah. never forget my part in it, which was watching it on home and t- on TV. The shocked look on the Tennessee fans when they thought that they were about to tie that game, and then it was a fourteen-point swing to end that half. And I want to say we got the ball that second half too, and scored on our first drive. And it was just—I mean—and then it was just we were on the off the races, and they never—they were never in it. The only thing I remember about that game, Browning had caught. Or he had scored. He got the ball on the goal line and scored. <clears throat> and he got hit so hard in his, like, kidney. I just remember going to pick him up, and all I could see was his teeth because they were his, ah! You know, he was hurting bad. <laughs> and old TB had scored on that play. It was, a, it was a heck of a play. And, and we went on, like you said, and made a pretty good run from there. He came on the podcast earlier this year. I haven't met him in person, but I met him that way. What a great guy. Yes, love some TV, and he's that. he's still up in Athens, you know, with the yeah. university. I thought that was cool uh, too. I've yep. lost volume. Ah, uh, we can hear you. You got us, Green. Something on his end. Yeah, he may have muted us. He's gonna he's gonna change it. <laughs> he's gonna go. Let's see if he gets back on. Yeah, complete man. reboot and come back, and there he is. Yeah, called me and I couldn't hear. 
for whatever there he reason. is. There you go. More technical difficulties, but he's back. There we go. Well, I'm glad you're going to get a chance to go up there. I toyed around with it, but I, I don't think I'm going to do it. Not going? I, I don't think so. You hey. should go, man. Hey, Mad Dog, it's going to be – well, I hadn't checked the weather. It's going to be like 54 and sunny, I think, at game time. Is that what I saw in the 50s? I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, y'all. I know. You know oh, man, and it's such a good place to watch a game, too. I mean, it's, it's as a place to travel and watch a game is fun. Of course, my favorite part is going there and just beating the crap out of it and hearing that place go quiet. Uh, I've just been on the road so much that my couch just sounds so good for this. It day. is pretty It is pretty easy to watch games at home now. And the older you get, it, it's oh, like, you get the more kids you get, the easier it is. The easier it is to stay at home. Yeah. What do y'all think about the tech game being a night game? Yeah, I kind of like it. I mean, I like the I like it um, having a good field. Look, they played us tough last year. I, I really like Brent Key and what I mean. He's I think he is the right coach for Tech. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, I kind of prefer them fumbling around over there. But they uh, this key this uh, coach has done a really good job. Buster Faulkner, who's the offense coordinator. Of course, he was at Georgia last year. Huge fan of him. I played against him in high school. He's a great guy, done doing a really good job. I like it. I mean, I, I think Tech is. Um, I mean, we we should we should definitely win, but we have to come out and play some good ball, yeah, uh, in order to do so. All right. As players, are you of the opinion that you would rather Tech be great every year, and we're playing a team that's you know at that point eleven and zero? Are you of the um, camp that says, you know what, I don't care if they come into that game four and seven? I personally prefer prefer four and seven because we're getting ready for the SEC championship game the following week, and I prefer to be healthy. I prefer it to be an easy win because we got our sights on on bigger bigger things. Now, having said that, uh, I always respected Tech as a player. I mean, they're they're they are a team that you better show up and be ready to go, um, and and it's not a game that you ever overlook. Well, you got to remember we, we were on a pretty good losing streak to them before we got there. Yeah, big time. Yeah, so, I mean, we had struggled with them until we got there. I don't know if it was four or five years. I can't remember the, the number. Yeah, that was the Joe Ham, Joe Hamilton days and, yeah. and George Gotze. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same camp as you, Greeny, because, I mean, just look at next year. It, it's not like we're going to be struggling with strength of schedule when you kick off with Clemson and you're going to go to Alabama, you're going to go to Texas, and whoever else we got to play after that. I mean, you're at that point at the end of the year, you, you hope you're getting well for an SEC championship game. And uh, and how I don't see how a, a strong tech helps anybody. Now, if they're strong, great, I don't care, but I'm not rooting for them to be good, I guess is where I'm yeah. coming from on that. 100%. Yeah. And I do think that Brent Key is, is probably the right guy. Yeah, I mean, they've they played some hard games this year. Other than that, I think the, uh, the uh, Clemson game, the Clemson beat them pretty good last week, but they've had some good good games. Um you know, kept most games close. I mean, they beat how many ranked teams? They beat somebody who was ranked earlier. I'm talking about North Carolina. Miami. They beat Miami on that crazy. Miami, they beat UNC. Yeah, UNC. I mean, I remember watching that game the same day they played Florida when they beat UNC. And I think they were down in that UNC game. Were they not at halftime down or something and then came back? Or maybe they weren't. But I remember watching, I watched the second half of that when we got back from the Florida game. Yeah. The head scratcher was Bowling Green. Do they have a chance to be bowl eligible? I'm, I would think so. They got to be close. I'll put it this way. They were noticeably better last year when Key stepped in. 
Well, I, I don't remember what week he stepped in. Didn't they, did they fire their coach mid-year last year? Yeah, they did. He stepped in. He was like the interim coach. And he really – I mean, they played us tough. That first half last year, I'm like, boys, we got to wake up. Like, we got to get going here. And, and he came right out in his – what is the opening press conference as the head coach when they announced him as a permanent head coach saying, you know, they've got to beat Georgia. And that's what he said. He goes, we got to beat that other school in the state. Yeah. And so, yeah. they've had this game circled. I'm sure they got something ready for us. Um, what it is, you know, we'll have to figure it out and get ready, you know, and make some make changes. But I guarantee they've got something, a wrinkle ready for, for us when we come in there, you know, was it the 25th? Tech is 5-5. Five and five. And they play Syracuse this this week at home at eight o'clock. Okay. So they're either going to be bowl eligible or trying to get bowl eligible. Not the kind of mentality that you want to be playing. Or well, they're fighting for a better bowl. You know, <laughs> you get it up in uh, in a, a cold weather bowl game. We've done that, and that was not fun. No, it was not fun. We need them to beat Syracuse and just come in relaxed. Hey, like, hey, we got. It doesn't matter. This game doesn't matter. We're, we're going bowling, baby. That's. This is their Super Bowl. Playing us is going to be their, their, their biggest year. Yeah, they, they'll never be relaxed in this they, game. They would love nothing more than to ruin our season. Because they, you know, a lot of these guys maybe either – some of them didn't get recruited by Georgia or they, you know, they at least at times feel like, yeah, I would think they're maybe second fiddle to Georgia. Um, and so this is their time to, to, to prove it, you know what I mean, show that yeah. they can hang with them and – is you get one chance a year, and so they'll they'll be they'll come out guns a blazing. There's no doubt about it. Well, while we're looking ahead, let's look a little farther and let's talk about the SEC championship game with our uh, our foe to the west, Alabama, who's looking better and better. Oh, Milrose looking like a quarterback we've never seen before with his his running capabilities, almost like a running back playing quarterback. What are your thoughts on defending him? Well, I haven't really watched him play a ton. I know he's gotten a lot better as the season's going on. Um, I will say, at least from what I've seen from him, I I would – I'm kind of glad we're playing him instead of – is it P.J. Daniels from LSU? That kid is really playing with a lot of confidence. Yeah. Um, Look, any Nick Saban team – I get nervous regardless of what the talent is just because I I think he's the greatest college head coach since I've been alive. I mean, he's unbelievable what he's been able to do. How this team has gotten better week in and week out. I mean, nobody really gave him a chance at all at the beginning of this year. They even said it's probably his least talented team he's had. But they're playing some really good ball, and they're pretty dangerous right now. So, I mean, certainly we're going to have to, you know, put a spy on them and try to figure out a way to – uh, either bracket them or have somebody that we feel like can can spy on him. But um, yeah, Kirby Kirby's got his hands full. It's always tough when you play a dual threat quarterback. It just makes things so much more challenging. We saw it with Stetson last year, right? I mean, when you got a running quarterback like that, the the playbook's twice as thick. Yeah, I mean, I think the the uh, the rumors of Alabama's demise have been greatly exaggerated. People were talking about, you know, how they weren't good at the beginning of the year. But I, the reality is that Texas game, if Milrow doesn't throw those two picks, Alabama wins that game. They're undefeated. And who knows, they may be ranked number one right now. They're definitely being the top four. Yeah. No, they, and I don't know why they're getting, they're getting, to me, overly punished for that one loss against a really good team. You know, I think some of that is coming from – I mean, they did not look good against that Texas team. I mean, yeah, Texas beat them at Milrow really struggled. 
Yeah. He threw the interceptions, but he, you know, there's a lot of balls he threw away. I mean, he really looked like, you know, a first year starting quarterback, right? And then to see his progression, you know, you watch that LSU game when he played, I mean, he looked like a completely different person out there playing. Yeah. You know, that Texas game, he looked like he was scared to throw it, scared. He didn't have any confidence in his reads. He was worried about getting hit. Um, you know, and then watch it where he's developed. I mean, they have developed him. Yeah. Well, they developed him fast, right? Well, it goes to show, yeah. you know, how good of a coach Saban is. You get a kid that looks like he's got no confidence, and they're able to either dummy down the playbook or call the plays he's comfortable, or at least put him in situations where he can be at his best. And yeah. that's what great coaches do. You know, you take the talent around with this kid, and your job as a coach is to – is how do I take this kid and his strengths – and bring it out the most. And they've been able to do that here lately. So the only good news for us is at least we've got plenty of film that we can study, that we can see, hey, this is, you know, how this kid plays his best ball. Yeah. Yeah, I think they found they found some plays to get him some confidence and let him get into the system. And then from there they've been able to branch out. But I mean, yeah, he that you know, that LSU game, he looked real good. I mean All right. I'm gonna give you t- guys time to think about this. Who do you think the top four best teams are in the country. I'll go first. Georgia, Alabama. Even though they lost to Washington, I'm going with Oregon. And then from there, it gets tough. From there, it gets real tough because I don't believe in FSU because they're playing a watered-down ACC schedule and Clemson's down. I don't believe in Washington because of how much they've struggled. Texas has even struggled, you know, recently. I don't want to pick Michigan because they're cheaters. I don't believe in Ohio State because they've played nobody other than Penn State, and Penn State's played nobody. <laughs> so, at that point, want nobody. I, I, you know, I just pull one out of a bag. And also, I'll just say Texas. I'll say Texas wins the Big 12, and that's my fourth team. What do you I'll go, yeah, I'll go Georgia. Um, I'm going to go with Michigan. Uh, I just feel like they've played some really good ball this year. Um, but they haven't played anybody. Yeah, but they actually – They look good at what they've done, though. It's, yeah. it, it, it's easy to look good at what you're doing when you know what the plays are going to be called <laughs> against yeah. the team you're playing. It makes, makes life a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, I like – Texas, I like Oregon. I, I'm a huge Dan Lanning fan. I think, I mean, look how different they played after we beat the snot out of them last year. I mean, they won two games since They've only lost like two games since then? Yeah. Yeah, they, he's yeah. really got that program going. I, I wouldn't sleep on them. Bo Nix has done a fantastic job. I'll, I don't know. I mean, uh, so I'll say Georgia, uh, Michigan, Texas, Oregon. I'll go with that. Uh, I think I, I think I'll start with Georgia. I would put. I do. I like that Washington team, man. I know they they struggled, but you know they still beat Oregon. I mean, they still they still beat them. And Oregon, you know, Lanning will take that one on the chin. Some of those fourth down calls, but I'm gonna still take them in the head to head right now. I think if they played again, Oregon Oregon could could probably beat them, but I'm gonna just take them for what they've done. So I'm gonna put Washington. Um, I do like Michigan, and I'd have Alabama in there. I think. I still I don't believe in Florida State. I believe that ACC schedule is pretty pretty soft right now. Um, you know they beat LSU early in the year. I think Jane Daniels kind of struggled in that game. 
And what did he do? Two interceptions in that first – I remember the first half. I remember the first half it looked like LSU should have beat them pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And the game was close. And then, you know, Florida State came out in the second half and got them pretty good. Yeah. The first half of that game, LSU looked like they were they should have been well up and threw some interceptions or turned the ball over in the red zone, if I remember correctly. Didn't they turn it over twice inside the 20? I think you're right. So, yeah. you know, that that was a game that could have been out of hand at halftime. And I think Florida State, you know, made some changes at halftime, came back out. But I'm still not that I'm trying to knock them down. I think they're still probably five or six. But I don't see them in my top four. I think if I had to put them in order, I'd probably say Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Washington. Okay. Last question. Who will be Texas A&M's next coach? I can tell you it's not going to be. It's not going to be Dan Landing. Uh, he, he came right out and said, I'm not, I'm not leaving. Uh, and it's I not going to be Dion. No. And it's not going to be Zach Arnett from Mississippi State. Well, look, man, they, they got they got to make a splash, right? They've got to have somebody with head coaching experience who's won. And so who is out there on the market that sits like that? Who, who, who is out there? May not be on the market, but who's sitting out there that is maybe not coaching right now? I mean, I, I mean I'm just throwing this out there. I have no I haven't heard anything. I think you got like a look at Bob Stoops. Right. I think you look at Urban Meyer. Uh, those guys are I think those guys are on the top of their list. I mean, I think don't do they, it. They have to make a splash. I mean, they have to come back in. They just they're paying seventy six million dollars to this guy to go. You know, you, you, you know who I go at. You have to pull in somebody who has a national championship. Well, here's here's what I said to do. I mean, they got to fork out seventy six million dollars, right? So they they're gonna get us. Maybe I I don't know if their their plan is to keep throwing out money, crazy money. But if the answer is no, I think they go after like Missouri's head coach. I heard, yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, I'm telling you, I sat up there in the stands. That is a football program. Yep, and. If you can recruit and build a program like he's built at Missouri, you know what you could do with the resources at A&M? Mm-hmm. Sky's the limit. And you could get him on the cheap compared to what you can get some of these other guys for. Yeah. And when I say on the cheap, was I like $7 million? Of them? Seven probably probably six, seven million minimum, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, Texas A&M, they want to make a splash. I don't know. I'm just, you know, this is nothing. I'm just from me watching them and not do knowing you, anything about them. But. Do you think they'd ever come after somebody like Glenn Schumann? I think they need to move quarterback with head coach experience. I mean, yes, but I mean, I'm not saying he wouldn't be a good coach, but I mean, I think I don't think so. I think you look with somebody who's had experience as a head coach. I hope so. I don't want Schumann to go anywhere. Mm-mm. I think if he ever went anywhere, it would be back home to Alabama, which is where he went to school and where he got to start. And you know, the kind of guy who's like almost like Kirby did with Georgia: wait for yeah. your dream job to open up and then go there. Because, I mean, he's got to be having fun with what he's doing right now. Mm-hmm. You look like you're thinking, Greeny. Well, I was just thinking, I'll quit for $76 million anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it would say, I mean, that's just, you know. That's, I mean, that's, I mean that's, what the world. I mean, how have they gotten this? And, I mean, what what's the incentive to do well at that point? We're yeah. going, hey, I can either coach and things go well and I can just prolong this or – yeah. I can go, you know, fishing for the rest of my life and get paid seven million a year. I mean, it's like, come on! Well, I can't believe that they're able to get people. They're able to sign contracts like that. Well, I mean, and there's not even an offset clause in Jimbo's oh, contract. No mitigation clause for his. Yeah, he gets that money regardless of what he does. Yeah, so he could go get another job for seventy-five million, and they still got to pay him. Yeah. yeah, he's crazy to do that. Yeah, Lincoln he- Riley. What about Lincoln Riley? 
Oh, man, I don't think he's leaving USC. He's in a good spot there right there for him. And they're coming to the Big Ten next year. <clears throat> he can't get a defensive. If he can't get a defense, they might have to figure something out. Yeah, he's he, he wouldn't have to get on an airplane as much if he came to the SEC because next year he's going to be living on one. I feel like he already ran from us once. I don't think he's coming back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he, he knew he, he saw what was coming. He's like, I'm not getting into that. But when you start thinking about you know the splashy type hire they want to make, it it's hard to come up with anything not, unless you're outside well, the box with an Urban Meyer or somebody like that. Who's well, I those out there? Not, I mean, not, not, so I think it's the. I mean, I don't know if that's. <laughs> I would say it's the best choice for them, but I feel like they've got to they, – they have to make a splash after doing something like that. Or, or like Greenies, they may come out and say, look, we, can, we you know, we got we to gotta keep some money, man. But they, they've yeah. obviously got it. They've obviously got the money to, to say, look, we're going to fire this guy in the middle of the – you know, end of the year, knowing that we owe this guy $76 million and we've got to pay him, what, 21 by, in 30 days, right? And what, 30 I, days, we $21 million? Um, if you're looking for value, the coach at Missouri is- – 100%. I mean that game. That game against Georgia, I mean they have looked. That, that's a good program right now. So. Um, and that's a hire that doesn't hurt you if you're a Georgia fan. I mean you're playing Drinkwitz anyway. Yeah. All you've really done is created a hole back at Missouri. It'd be, you know, he's built a great program there, but it's also probably be hard for somebody to just jump in there and keep it going. Yeah. The only way it hurts is if he turns that program if he you know takes the talent that they get at A and M and is able to coach them as well as he coaches guys he got at Missouri. That's going to be a good team. And maybe we can get some – pick off some guys from Texas A&M from that number one recruiting class they had two years ago. Well, they've had a few of them already leave, right? I don't know. You know more than me. Three or four going to the portal last year, I'm pretty sure, that came out of there. Well, doesn't – when your coach gets fired, doesn't – you have have some special portal situation where it immediately opens up for 30 days? I thought I read that. Oh, that – yeah, I don't know. The portal magically opens when your coach gets fired for a 30-day window. Could y'all imagine being a coach? Like, you don't have to go out and just recruit new players. you got to recruit a team every year. Yeah. You know, I, you know there's got, I feel like the system's got to be changed a little bit. You know, I, I understand allowing players to leave. You know, if, if the coach that recruited you or something like that, something, you know, there's a drastic change. But, I mean, there's got to be some kind of commitment to the school too, right? I mean, okay. So I love that question. I love that scenario. Tell me, Ryan Snetzer's running the NCAA. What do you do rule wise with the portal and with NIL? Go. Oh, and the whole NIL thing. I think the cat's out of the bag on that one. You know, right. I'm all against not having regulations, but I figure I feel like there's got to be something to 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 calm that down. And I, you know, it may self regulate. You know, maybe people may just as we're going on and say, "Hey, look, man." We've been forking out all this money, but we're really not getting a whole lot out of that. So it may kind of – it's going to – my theory is it's probably going to come down a little bit from, from where it started. I think when it first started, everybody was real hot and heavy on it, and it's going to come down. Uh, regarding the transfer portal, I mean, barring, you know, a special situation, I feel like, you know, it should be allowed for, like, if your coach leaves or gets fired or the position, or your position coach, maybe somebody that recruited you. But it shouldn't just be like, you know what, I'm not playing here. I'm going to go somewhere else. You know, I think, like, you come in, you made the commitment to the school, you know, uh, barring a, a special circumstance, I don't, I don't like the transfer portal. Yeah, I agree as well. I, on the portal, you know, I hate the fact that people can have a bad day and just go jump in the portal kind of thing. You know what I mean? I mean, there were, there's plenty of bad days you have out there where you're not feeling yeah. it and your feelings are hurt. You don't like the way the coach is handling the situation. It's too easy to leave, and, and these coaches have to invest so much time into you anyway. 
that they're making it way too easy for for guys to to leave and jump ship. I think um, they're going to have to tighten that up. Oh, yep. Yeah. I would just like to know what is the process like. Um, you know, Ryan has a bad day. He gets yelled at too much by the one too many times by his O line coach. I mean. He's deciding I'm leaving. Is it just as simple as you sign this form and you're gone? I mean, is what I don't even know what the process. I, mean, I, don't know, is. But I think it's pretty simple. I mean, I don't think it's hard. I mean, there's certainly a period like you can't, you know, co- once you go into the portal, that's when other coaches can talk to you, right? Right. And there are some time. There are some timelines on there. Like you, know, you can do it this time, and it stops here at this time, but it's not much. Yeah, I mean, it feels like between the portal and NIL money, it's just the Wild West and everything's just kind of – I do think the NIL is going to kind of self-regulate a little bit. No, I think you're right. I yeah. think you made a great point about people are going to realize they're not getting the bang for their buck that, yeah. that they thought they were going to get, and, and it's going to kind of self-regulate. Yeah. I mean, I, so, to me, I think it's going to turn into a fairly – hopefully – I mean, you're still going to have your top programs are still going to have more money, and those players are still going to get more money. So, I still think it's going to – you're going to have a bigger – difference between your top tier and your middle tier. Right, I think you're going to see a little more separation in, in the recruits you're getting there. <clears throat> but I, I do think some of these, you know, uh, some of these things are going to go down a little bit. And kinda... One of the things that I, one of the things I really like about the NIL is that if these guys are getting paid some money, especially somebody say like a Brock Bauer, somebody offers him, you know, a million dollars, you know, some free deer hunting, you know, for the rest of the season, you know, yeah, maybe he'll stay, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, yeah. You're right, right. I mean, before everybody's just, before, yeah, you got to get your money. You got to go. Yep. I mean, you talk about Dion's son, the quarterback. I mean, he's making more now than he will like NFL, six million in NIL deals. Well, like, why? I mean, I would much rather get hit by somebody from Colorado State than by someone from the San Francisco 49ers, right? I mean, like, and he's probably making more money now than he'll make in the NFL. You know, they got scheduled, so you know what you're going to get. He's, He's probably not a first round pick. So I mean there's a there's a schedule of where that goes wherever he's drafted and he's kind of set into that schedule based on you know where it was that year. So he's probably making more money now than he will there. Well and that's a great point that's that Bert Hodges brought up. He said, you know, we just need to figure out what is the max contract that Brock Bowers could sign for his what would be his senior year or his rookie year. And then if that's ten million, just get dog fans to go fund me that thing up to ten million. And he even made the exam. He goes, if there's a hundred thousand people in Sanford Stadium, everybody coughs up whatever that is, a hundred bucks for another year of Brock Bowers. That's not no bro. Yeah. No bro. It, it would be raised yeah. in a day. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So maybe we ought to start that in the collective. You want to start the Brock Bowers collective. We're going to need to do some back channeling to get to Brock's people, find out what the number is, and we'll invent a product for him. Yeah, yeah, what, 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 ten minutes. It's probably around that. What was the first? What's a top ten pick now? What does it start? What was last year? Anybody know? I, I don't have those numbers, but I mean they're easily accessible. You know, you know, the first two picks are usually. I mean, you're looking at a quarterback, maybe a, a defensive line, somebody like that. So I think he's probably what like a four or five pick, maybe. Oh, easily. Right. Yeah. Yes, I don't. I, I mean, mean you, and it all depends on the draft order that people are trading around. But I think the first pick is almost. I think for the next, as far as we can see, it's probably going to be a quarterback, unless you're just yeah. not a strong quarterback class. He didn't come out for senior day when all those guys were running across the field. Brock didn't come out, although that doesn't seem like that's his style anyway. Yeah. And we'd all love to see him back. And I I think in the end, he's going to make the best decision for him. And I think we can, you know, he's given us some good years. So, 
for him is to say, hey, everybody pony up 100 bucks. Exactly. That yeah. is 100% the best decision for him. Yes. We, 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 gotta, we, need to, we need to start that today. Start a collective for that. <laughs> Keep running over the, the, the Vandy players and not running into the San Francisco 49er yeah, linebacker. That's right. Yeah. Run into the posts out there. Try to block those defensive ends out there in the NFL versus blocking that Vanderbilt defensive end. That's right. You know, Greeny, you're, you're a risk management guy. I just We just need you to get with your actuaries, put together a presentation, and <laughs> and line this up, you know, and close the deal. That, that's no, all we're asking. We'll raise the money. Your tightrope surgery would have been a broken leg. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, 24 days versus two, three months, you know. Come back for the – What was this? I mean, I saw something this week that agents were telling him not to go to – not to play another down this year, right? I don't know how true that was or not, but I did – I was reading about that, and then, you know, he pretty much said, look, I'm playing, and anybody that told me not to play it will not be representing me. Well, Kirby said that. Kirby said that yeah. these agents were reaching out to him saying that and that it pissed him off. And he was like, okay, well, I will definitely not work with those guys. Bump this. I'm playing, man. And that, you know what? That's somebody who's – that's that's the kind of team these guys are, man. I mean, they play for each other. Yeah. I mean, these guys play hard. It, it's they're, not watching about their player. It really is not watching them play. They love the game. They love each other. And they are getting after it and, and going full speed every play, man. It's it's a fun team to watch. You know, like I said, Saturday night, they look like a special team again. And we're, we're – they are, you know. I'm not not saying we're going to win the national championship again, but I think we dang sure got a chance. Yeah, they're straight business. There's no doubt about it. I yeah. mean, these boys, you could tell they uh, you tell they practice hard. You can tell they prepare. Oh, lost them again. Back on here. <laughs> it's like a tradition. I got another phone call. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's just how he leaves the room. Maybe I ought to send him a laptop. He didn't get a phone call, so interrupt. But there he is again. There he is. He's back. Hey. 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 My hey, wife, won't, my wife won't quit calling me when it uh, calls. It blacks out. Hey, hey, hey Granny, I, I want to hear your perspective. I, I, Mad Dog and I talked about it earlier, but that uh, the pass that Beck had going towards the scoreboard, where he had the defender over the top and the linebacker underneath. I mean, I looked at him. I was sitting in the stands. And said, that's one of the best throws I've ever seen. You remember, maybe like our second touchdown, the first touchdown. Um, at Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss game. What did you think about that? Do you remember that play? I don't know if you saw it, but I mean, he. I oh, mean, you talking about the post? Well, you talking about the post he threw? To, yeah, uh, last? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was. Look, I mean, okay. if you, if you give him time to throw, I mean, he's got the arm, he's got the time, he's extremely mm-hmm. accurate. I mean, yeah, I, I've been, I've been blown away with how, and I think I maybe said it last week. He he makes the position look easy, y'all, and it's not okay. Yeah. Like he. He sees a guy. He he throws a good catchable ball, even though it's got good pace. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's catchable. Like it doesn't look like it's a, you know. I mean, it's it's coming with good pace, but it doesn't like it's coming so hard. It's hard to catch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he threaded that one through there. Yeah, I, so I, I'm sitting in that other end zone, second level, and from where I saw sat and saw that pass, I was like, "There's no way he's throwing that ball." And yeah. he went in there, and I was like, I looked at the guy. I was like, "Man, that is literally one. That is an NFL throw." Oh yeah, I mean he, he, yeah, I mean he's playing NFL caliber type mm-hmm. quarterback right now. I mean he's seeing the field. If it's not open downfield, he's either running or he's checking it down. Like very few negative plays mm-hmm. in our offense. I mean we're putting us in good positions. Yeah, exactly. All right. Speaking of the NFL, let's just say that he does run the table and we do win another natty. If you're him, do you come back or do you just go ahead and go pro? 
Uh, who I'm trying to who else out there coming out of a quarterback class? And I guess it really uh, we got Vandegrift, and then we've got um, Gunner Stockton, and then no, no, I'm talking about who if he goes pro. I was like, what, okay, I think he's got to look at where he'd be drafted, right? Right. Is he, is he going to be the number one? I mean, I don't, I'm I'm trying to think of other. So Bo Nix is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if he's the number one pick, I think, and you're the pretty good shot. There's that, then then maybe. Um, you, the last thing you want to do is go out early and then fall down the board. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, he's going to have uh, so, probably, probably Caleb Williams out there, probably yeah, Bo yeah. Nix, probably Jaden Daniels. That's off the top of my yeah. head. Yeah, so I, I find it – he's good. Is he better than those guys? Can he jump those guys? It, you know, it, it's tough to say. I think another year could certainly could certainly up bring his value up. I think another year. I mean, I, I think he'll have a big NIL offseason. Uh, yeah. If he wins the national championship, he'll have plenty of – you know, coin in his pocket. And, and one good thing about playing quarterback at Georgia, you're going to have a great supporting cast. So you know you're going to have uh, – you'll lose some guys, but you'll certainly have plenty that will be able to step in and, yeah. and play. And, look, quarterback's one of those things, like, especially if you're going to be a first-round pick, I mean, you're expected to come in now and, and play. It used to be when I was coming out, you know, guys, even first rounds, what did come and, and sit for a year or two and just kind of, like, learn – you know, learn the NFL. That's not a case anymore. I mean, guys are coming in ready to play immediately and make an impact. So, I, I mean, he had played a ton of ball. I mean, he's doing fantastic. But I think the more reps he can get, if he can get another season under his belt, will help him that much more when he makes that jump. Yeah, and, and like I said, unless he, unless there's a thought that he's going to be the number one guy taken, I think he comes back. Yeah, I, I you, I was thinking. I had talked myself into he was leaving, and now you guys have talked me into he's staying. Yeah, I think he comes back. I think it's a good decision. And I hope he does. I think. He, I mean, I think now with the NIL, now without the NIL, I think it's a different, it's a little different story. Um, yeah. But but I think with that and the money that he's gonna be able to get from that, um, I think he stays, gets another year in his belt, gets some more reps. Like I said, you know, the more reps you get, the better you're going to be in that position. The more, the more times you see the defense, the more times you see what they're doing to you. Uh, you know, I can only improve his stock for the next year. And he's gonna have talent around. Well, him, it's so. a case where it's a case of where NIL actually works in the favor of the team by right. keeping some, you know, exactly. great talent exactly, yep. in school. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, guys, I, I kept saying it's last question, so I, I got to stop sometime because I got folks stacked over here to the left that are waiting. But uh, I man, I've had fun talking with you three. We should do this every week. <laughs> I'm with you every week. It's like Greeny. You got a little busier schedule, baby. That's nah, good, man. I always enjoy coming on with you guys. Fun times. Well, absolutely. Well, I hope you get to go up there and uh and relive your magical moments with your family. And uh can't wait to talk again soon. Yeah, when I cross Tennessee line, remember I become Daryl, so I'll uh change right. my name when I get there. All right. I want you to go in there with like a, yeah, you a, a mustache. Fake mustache. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, glasses and a stash. I need to see mustache and a hat with a mullet on it. All right, that's what I need to see. Yeah, I love it. Right, and buddy. orange checked yeah. overalls. Orange <laughs> checked overalls. You'll be fine. Yeah, I love it. All right, man. All right, guys. Y'all be good. See you soon and go dogs. Yes, go dogs. See you. From any given Saturday, it is Cassidy Pearson. What's up? What's up? How about them dogs? How about them dogs? SEC East champs, which doesn't get anybody excited anymore. 
it's it's unless it's a national championship, that's where our expectations are. Anything but a natty is just not enough. Yep, definitely. Which I love the fact that that's where this program is. I mean, in the past, we would be ecstatic to be champions of the East, and we would be terrified to play Alabama, and that's just not the way the world is anymore, not in the dog nation. I mean, everybody I mean, that I talk to wants to go and slay the elephant. So to yeah, speak. I definitely do. I mean, we finally got over that hump, and so the – the nightmares from 2012 and 2017 are now over in my brain. So I'm really excited to get to play them in Atlanta. Will you be there? No. Um. <laughs> is that like, is that the theme for this year is Cassidy <laughs> refuses to attend and good things happen? Well, it's been working out. I haven't been there and the dogs are, are rolling. So I'm going to keep that up. So where are you going to be this time? If you can tell us. I am throwing a baby shower for my best friend, Susanna. So that was the, the day we had to do it, and we're doing it in the morning, so I'll have plenty of time to watch the games. I feel like you could do both. I feel like there's plenty of time. Is the baby shower in Macon? Mm-hmm. There, there probably would be time, honestly. Um, haven't really thought about that. Well, maybe you should. Maybe you should think about that a little bit more and just make it a big day. It would be just, a big day. Just zip on up to the bins and, you know, it could be magical. No pressure. All right, let's talk about business. What do you got? What do you want to talk about? I know you're going to say something to scare me. Well, I want to talk about these rankings. Let's go. Um, You know, Georgia deserves to be at one. Agree. Part of me wishes we were still at two just to continue that that drive of, you know, they say we can't do it. Let's go do it and prove them wrong. But we deserve to be at one, and so rightfully so we are. I was thinking about it, and I'm actually surprised that Florida State is still at four and Washington didn't jump them. If you look at their resumes, Washington now has a much better resume than Florida State does, and they, they were struggling against Miami last week. You could absolutely make that case that Washington should be four instead of FSU. And, and I'm with you. That's kind of one of those things where, okay, the ACC, I mean, people want to talk about the SEC being in a down year. No, we just cannibalize each other like we do every year. The ACC, which is already not a great football conference, is down because Clemson is mm-hmm. having a very bad year by Clemson standards. So I, I go back and I look at the FSU schedule and, okay, you've beaten, you started out by beating LSU. And that win has lost its shine as the year has gone by, and they've turned into a three-loss team. So, yeah, I don't get it. And and I want you to tell me where the quality wins are on Ohio State's schedule. So I was just about to say, you mentioned <laughs> Clemson. Well, Clemson just beat Notre Dame, who was the whole reason probably why Ohio State was won. In the same way, Penn State just lost to Michigan. So what quality wins does Penn State have? They have none. Notre Dame has a couple, but, you know, the, the wins they've had have been washed out at this point because everyone's been losing that they beat. So Ohio State's resume is extremely weak, and so is Michigan's. And then Georgia, on the other hand, it's only gotten stronger, uh, especially after Missouri killed Tennessee. Uh, you could even make the case that, you know, teams like Auburn have been playing well this year. So it's just been a total flip. 
Penn State is what is artificially pumping up the the um, the strength of wins, I guess you could say. And they're not really strength, but what little argument they have for Michigan and Ohio State. Penn State's played nobody. Why are they even ranked? All they they've lost to a couple of teams who have played nobodies. What is their resume? They don't have one. They should not be ranked that high. Why are they ranked so high? It's a brand bias. It's a total it textbook example of a brand bias. It is, and it's it's the fact that they have played Ohio State, Michigan, even though they lost both of the, the games. They take those as quality losses. Yes, and which makes no sense in my brain besides just the name of Ohio State and Michigan. They have done nothing this year to prove that they can compete in big games. It literally feels like the Big Ten runs this scheme, the sham, where they play nobody between the three of them, and they both beat Penn State. So that that's their, you know, that's a quality win for them because God knows they need some because they don't play anybody. And so for them, for both Ohio State and Michigan, it's a one game season. And I mean, I know, and Ohio State tries to make the case where well, we played Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame's not that great this year. And Notre Dame really should have beaten them if their coach knew how to manage a clock. Exactly. That's a great point. The, uh, Notre Dame game and the Penn State game were close. Like, it's not like they're beating them by these large margins that Georgia is. So it, it absolutely makes no sense. And I'd actually make the case that Michigan should be ranked at two, or I wouldn't put them at two, but in front of Ohio State, because actually if you look at their common opponents in those games, Michigan's won by larger margins than Ohio State has. But they were cheating in those games. They no, were cheating in those games. So there's that little fact. Yes, but you know the committee is not worried about the cheating, right? Oh, now. of course. The, the great committee, the all-knowing committee, God forbid that they inject some current events into their rankings and some, <laughs> some things that are actually not even allegations. They're facts because anybody who has eyes who can see can see the film of them cheating. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Okay, let's go into Cassidy's. Unless you got something else, I want to talk about your doomsday scenarios. I, I do want to say real quick that I don't think Tennessee should be ranked. I think they're ranked like, I don't even know, like 18th, 17th, something that's way too high. In my I think opinion. they're 21. Okay, well, Tennessee was ranked ahead of Missouri going into last week. And I didn't even think that was fair. I thought Missouri had a stronger resume than Tennessee did even. Tennessee hasn't beaten anyone. They have quality losses with Alabama and now Missouri. Neither one of those games were that close. And they haven't beaten anyone, whereas Missouri at least has beaten, I don't know, Kansas State, killed Kentucky. So I'm tired of Tennessee being ranked. I, maybe they're keeping them there because they're about to play Georgia. I don't know. They're the, they're like one of the top three lost teams right now on the rankings. Yeah, they got embarrassed by Florida. Yeah, and then Missouri. Yeah, I mean Missouri. I can I can I, I get that Missouri's a great team. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody's believing in them based on the eye test. They look like a great team. They played us great. Yep. Um, but the Florida loss by by the Tennessee was, was a terrible sad. look. Yeah, so bad, and they shouldn't have beaten Texas A&M either. So, 
they just have had an awful season. And to see them ranked ahead of several other teams with three losses, and even North Carolina is ranked lower, and they only have two losses, I, I just – I know it doesn't matter at all. Right. But I still have a problem with it. Well, that's fine. That'll just be another top 25 win for us. That's right. All right. So, Doomsday. We went out, but we do not win the SEC championship. I maintain that if the committee thinks that Georgia is the number one team, they think that you're the best team, losing to the SEC champion does not make you all of a sudden not one of the four best teams. I don't care that FSU is undefeated and won the ACC in this scenario, and I don't care that, say, Michigan and Ohio State have won. That's fine. Leave, put Michigan and Ohio State in there. Put Oregon in there or Washington, one of those two. But you can't, and, and you can't, you're going to have to put Alabama in there, but you can't tell me that all of a sudden we're not one of the top four teams. No, you can't. Um, especially if the Alabama game is close and we lose. Well, 2021 proved that point. Mm-hmm. We were number one, we lost, we went to four, and then we won the whole thing. You're right, and fortunately, the problem is is there's just a lot of undefeated teams left, a lot of one-loss teams. All five Power Five conferences are still very much in this, uh, looking ahead to the playoff race. And the committee could really be entering a nightmare situation um, if if everyone wins out like I'm assuming that they're going to. And I don't trust the committee in any situation, much less a nightmare situation, Um, because I don't feel like that Ward Manuel, the AD for Michigan, is going to have our back because that's who populates this committee. You know, if he if he had a shred of decency and character and class, he would say, you know what, we're cheaters. We don't deserve to be in this thing. We, 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 we are cheaters. We have been caught cheating. We got caught cheating during the COVID year. Uh, We caught caught lying about the cheating. We've had a computer scandal. We've had Bo Schimbeckler post questionable things on social media. We had to get rid of him, his grandson or his son or whatever. And now this all in one season. Mm -hmm. Do you know what they would do to Georgia if that was us? (laughs) I mean, yeah, they're talking about all this SEC bias. I don't see any SEC bias happening this year. There would be people picketing in Athens. There would be there would be encampments on North Campus of people saying, you know, that Kirby should be ousted. Uh, it, it would be ludicrous. But for some reason, it's mighty Michigan, who, by the way, are the most winningest football program in college football history. And if they win Saturday, will be the first program to ever reach 1,000 wins. Well, you know why they win so much? It's because they, they don't cheat. have competition. And because they're, they're cheating. <laughs> I mean, both reasons. And I'm confused what the committee is even going off anymore. I mean, they said resume. They said strength of schedule. And that was the reason that Georgia was ranked too. I did not have a problem with that. But now, like, genuinely, if you look at these resumes, like, you cannot convince me that Washington and Florida State should not be ranked ahead of Ohio State and Michigan right now. Well, and like last night they were putting Georgia and Ohio State next to each other, quality wins, strength of record, strength of schedule. How is Ohio State's strength of record and strength of schedule harder than ours? What sort of Polish math are they doing? I don't know. 
Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I show I, me I, the I, equation I, that goes into that because I don't get it. I don't get it. They're in the Big Ten. They play several teams that have winning, uh, losing records. And they play Penn State is terrible. Like, terrible. Move the ball last weekend. It was embarrassing to watch. I mean, it was like, a, these guys are terrible. I mean, their quarterback was terrible. We would kill them. We would kill them. It's, it's, there's so much Ohio State bias. It's insane. All of the Big Ten. It's, just, it's, it's ridiculous. At, at this point, I want, since there's not going to be any justice for, against Michigan, I want them to win out. I want them to beat Ohio State, and I want to play them. Absolutely. I want to play Harbaugh under the microscope where there's no way for him to cheat like he cheated against us last time and beat him 34 to 11 and just see what happens. Cause I know what's going to happen. Oh, I know what's going to happen too. And especially if they beat Ohio state, they're going to be talking and they're going to be yapping. And <laughs> that's perfect scenario for me. Uh, <laughs> people are still talking about both of them getting in. I don't, I don't understand how that's even possible. But it, there's still a high chance that they both get in, according to the playoff predictor thing. Well, is, is, I think that is looking at, as of today, is that because it can't be looking for everybody at the same time. That Can might be today, but like there's legitimate analysts like talking about both being in. And I'm like, have you looked at? what's going on. Like, I don't even know if like Georgia and Alabama are going to be in like the one loss big 10 East team definitely is not going to be in. It's like a giant conspiracy that they've said, we're tired of the sec always winning this thing. There's gotta be somebody else. So the only way there's going to be somebody else is to find a way to shut them out. Yeah. I don't know, but I think the, the worst case scenario for the committee is if Alabama beats Georgia and then Texas wins out and wins the Big 12. Because you're faced with that head-to-head -head decision of Alabama's playing better right now and they have a stronger resume, but Texas beat them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've seen in the rankings, they've kept Texas ahead of Alabama. I think if they beat if they beat us, they'd move them over Texas for sure. You think? Yeah. Do you feel like Texas can run the table because they've been struggling? No, definitely not. I mean, they've past couple games they've had they've only won by one possession. I don't know how they beat Alabama, but Alabama was very much struggling at the beginning of the year. Jalen Miller is a completely different player right now, so. I agree. I think the committee would jump them, but I think there's going to be a lot of angry people if that happens just because of the head-to-head -head win. And really, like, when I think about it, I think it's only right to put Texas in if Alabama's in because they beat them, and they beat them in Tuscaloosa. Like, it wasn't a fluke. Like, they they won that football game. But then, if, by you saying that, then Georgia's definitely out. Yeah, Georgia's out. I don't I don't know what they would do in that situation, genuinely. And it's it's hard to imagine that they're gonna keep an undefeated team out. I've I've heard opinions. Um I mean I like we said earlier, I mean, I think 
Florida State would, should be out and Georgia and Alabama should be in. But it's just really hard to imagine they're going to do that. And so if you have a, an undefeated Florida State, an undefeated, let's just say Michigan, and then an undefeated Washington, that's three of the four spots. Alabama, Georgia, and Texas are left for one spot. All right, let's say Georgia wins out. Let's say Michigan beats Ohio State, so that those two are in. Let's say uh, Florida State loses to Louisville. Let's say Texas wins out, they're in. That is what leads the fourth spot for Ohio State. Well, we didn't mention Washington or Oregon. Oh, we didn't? I thought I did. You said Georgia, Michigan, Texas, and then fourth is what you said. That's right. So I wonder, because I totally assume Oregon's going to beat Washington. And they do have to play Oregon State, who has been pretty good. That could be an upset. But I wonder if Oregon beats Washington, if they're going to – kind of penalize Oregon and for some reason I guess it would probably only be a problem if Alabama beats Georgia I I just I could really see them Alabama beats Georgia I could see them putting Texas in over Oregon Mm -hmm. and and Oregon has the bet the strongest schedule if you're just looking at beating ranked teams Mm mm-hmm but the but you bring up a good point in the Louisville situation. Do you think Louisville has a shot? I don't want to back up to what you just said. If you're basing it on beating ranked teams, because a lot of times just because somebody's ranked doesn't mean they're good. Penn no, State, the right. prime example. You know, mm-hmm. it, it almost feels like there's been a pro Pac-12 bias to push all these teams up at the beginning of the year. But are they really good? You know, are all these – if you take these different Pac-12 teams and you plug them into the SEC, are they as good as they are now? No, no. they're not. All right. Now, I'm sorry. I just had to jump in there and say that. Then what was it? No, I said? agree. Well, I was just kind of jumping in on the point that you made. Um, but what did you say? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I, just, I just said, you know, you mentioned that Louisville might beat Florida State, which mm-hmm. I would not be surprised. It's hard to win 13 games in a row. But do you think they have a legitimate shot? They have lost to Pitt. Mm-hmm. I, I don't because of the loss to Pitt, and there's just too much. They're not even really in the conversation right now, and there's too many other players that are. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just I don't. Okay, let's just say that madness happens and everyone loses. I, I don't know. Pac-12 loses. Georgia loses. Whatever. Everyone starts losing. And you've got one spot left for either an ACC champion in Louisville who has one loss or Ohio State Michigan loser. Who do you think they put in? Oh, they definitely put in Ohio State Michigan. <laughs> definitely. They don't even they don't even think about it. But that's not that's not right though. Correct. But I mean, it, not at all. I mean, you have an ACC champion that beat an undefeated team, has several ranked wins on their resume. I think, in my opinion, that's the only shot Louisville has of getting in. But you're probably right. They probably would still put in 
Louisville's like me. They want everybody to lose. They want absolute chaos. So they're sitting there going, hey, we beat your number four team. Mm-hmm. We're the ACC champs. We deserve to be in just as much as these guys, but they're not going to have any ranked really wins other than that to point to, are they? Um, Notre Dame. Okay. Duke. Didn't they beat Duke? I th- yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, they play Kentucky to the end of the year. I guess they're not ranked. Uh, I think there was another one maybe. I don't remember. But I, a lot would have to happen. I mean, Texas would have to lose again. Either Georgia or Alabama would have to lose again. There's just a lot. We need Oregon to beat Washington. We need Texas to lose. Uh, FSU to lose. I'm, I'm just thinking of things that we, we really need Texas to lose. Like that is hurting Georgia because of the way it's hurting Alabama. Right. Right. No, I agree. Um, who is it looking like they're going to play in the Big 12 championship? Please. Is it the wait? Is it Oklahoma State? I don't know. I think it is. Yeah. I think you told me it was Oklahoma State who just lost to UCF 45 to 3. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they just lost to UCF 45 to 3, but for but somehow since they beat Oklahoma, they're in second in the Big 12. Yeah, for, hey, don't for, don't don't look over here at this loss to UCF. Forget about that. That doesn't matter. All that matters is Big 12 losses and we beat Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, that UCF loss is the biggest head scratcher of the year. Well, and then you think, too, it's like, okay, they beat Oklahoma, Oklahoma beat Texas, Texas beat Alabama. So UCF's going to be claiming that they beat Alabama. Like they Correct. did. Like yeah. they the the old transitive uh, win thing. And basically um, what happened was Mike Gundy did not respect the Gus bus. And he <laughs> went down there and he got bust. And, I mean, those guys, it's almost like they never saw it coming. No, I mean, that's the most the, the unbelievable thing i've ever seen yeah and and you pointed that out because i I somehow missed that i mean that's crazy yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah they had like six yards through the half or something (laughs) all right back to uh the oregon state beavers who who did you tell me they were playing this week they play oregon next week in rivalry weekend yeah but um, oh, they play Washington. Yeah, they play Washington. And isn't it, it's at Corvallis. Oh, I didn't even realize they played Washington. Yeah, that's a this big game. This is interesting. This is isn't interesting. It? Okay, so we need Oregon State to win, of course. The implications of that game are massive. I see those wheels turning. Yeah, so if – okay, they have two losses in the conference. I was saying if they were going to – if it was going to make them – in, the, but they don't. They have two losses. Mm-hmm. All right. What if Oregon State beat Washington and Oregon and then Oregon beat Washington to win the Pac-12? They're both out. Well, Oregon wouldn't be in if they beat Oregon. They'd be in. So Oregon State can still get in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So we got Oregon State and we got Oklahoma State. 
<laughs> they're both still in this thing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, it's going to be a wild, what is that going to be? 14 days, really, from Saturday. You got 14 days. You got two weeks to figure it all out. Yeah, that would be crazy because I've like, I totally have a Pac-12 in my top four, like locked. Like I, I haven't really changed my opinion on that. So that would really shake things up. Pulling for the Beavers. You got to pull for the yeah. Beavers. You got to yeah. pull for uh, DJ Ugalele. We all look a <laughs> I, uh, I can't. Nobody can say it. Nobody in the South can say it. To say it but. Yeah. Hey, I'm happy for the guy going out there and getting some success, you know, Got, getting a fresh start like Bo Nix did, really. Right. Yeah, um, and Bo Nix now the Heisman leader I've seen after he played really well last weekend. But Carson Beck continuing to play well, and I'm really excited to see what happens with the Heisman finalists. I think if he keeps playing the way he's played and has a big SEC championship game, he'll be in New York. Yeah, he definitely should be. He's just getting better and better by the week. I don't understand the love for Penix because they they have there's been some games where they just didn't look so great, but it's like the media has just decided this is our guy. We're sticking by this guy. They decided that after they beat Oregon, and it was kind of weird because it's like Oregon lost that game, like yeah, from the decision making by Dan Landing. Like yeah. it's not like they just went in there and like smoked Oregon. Right. And so Penix has just been the talk ever since. And yes, he's good. His, his statistics are great. He's, he has a lot of yards. But I'm just kind of like, they haven't played the same competition that Carson Beck is going to be facing. And I'm going to throw the same darts at Nick's that everybody threw at Stetson. I mean, isn't this his eighth year? I mean, <laughs> it feels like it's his eighth year. It's at least what it's got to be his sixth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's He's like my age. You, you say that like you're so old. I think he's in the grade below me. Maybe. He's in the grade below you. <laughs> and Stetson's in my grade. So Stetson's, Stetson's in your grade. Really old play. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, hilarious. Still grade school. <laughs> you went to school with Stetson. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'm just, again, I'm still pinching myself that the run we're on. It's borderline bizarre. It's dream come true type stuff. Mm-hmm. And we just keep dreaming. And it's the, the, the streaks and the records that we're on are just stuff that you wouldn't have dr- talked about in your wildest dreams. No, no, it's, it's, I'm still dreaming about it. I, I, I still don't take it for granted. And it, it's so interesting how like the fandom of Georgia has changed over the years from like, we just want to win the East to now we're expected to make the playoffs and be ranked number one. But I'm still soaking it in. Like every week's, every week's a tough week. You know, we've got these rival games coming up and just really hoping that it isn't Alabama that stops our streak. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was, I was sitting there after the, um, the Ole Miss game with some buddies. And I was like, I feel like it's oceans 11 and we've, we've robbed the casino and we're back at the Bellagio watching the fountain. Just all just, we can't believe what we've just accomplished. Not that I've accomplished anything. I'm just a fan, obviously, but 
it, it had that feel like, wow, if we did it again, we went through an entire season, home season, without a loss. It's been 1,400 and something days since there's been a loss in Sanford Stadium. Mm-hmm. And that was to a guy who's now on our coaching staff. So, yeah. you know, it's like crazy stuff. It is crazy. So, uh, I don't know. I It's going to be interesting these next two weeks. I would love to see the way that the committee has to, I mean, I don't want Georgia to lose, but I would love to see how committee, how the committee ranks the other the other teams in the other games. All right, what about this? Georgia loses, Michigan beats Ohio State. They go to number one, we're at number four. That means I could be seeing you next back in L.A. trying to bum a ride after a Rose Bowl game. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, we could end up in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah that's true. I'll take a repeat of 2021. I don't want it, but I'll take it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, Michigan. I'd love to play Michigan. I don't care what we're ranked if we're playing Michigan. Oh, God. Can you imagine in the Rose Bowl going back out there? Oh, my gosh. New Year's Day. Be fantastic. It, it would be. It would I'd be rather cool. play there than go to the Sugar Bowl. Oh, yeah. Just as far no as doubt. settings, as far as just settings. Yeah, no doubt. All right, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Who, 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 this is probably getting way ahead of ourselves too, but who are you most worried about? Like, hypothetically, that Georgia would have to face in the playoffs? Nobody. The, the, the toughest team on our schedule is Alabama. Yeah. I mean, because it's, it's Alabama. Yeah, it's Alabama. I mean, and you don't want to play them in the playoffs either. No. Um, it's Alabama and the SEC championship, and then you don't want to play them again in a natty. I mean, we've done it before. We, you know, so we've slayed that dragon that time. But I don't know. I just think the more times you give somebody like Nick Saban, you you don't want to give him as many. You you want to minimize yeah. his number of chances. That's why you want to knock them out. Yeah, and really, like when it comes down to the playoffs, it, it coaching does make a large part of that. Yeah, and um. We're lucky that Alabama has a loss because that would be awful if we had to play them twice. Yeah, that that's a great point. I mean, we might still have to play them twice, but it would be us losing the first time. Right. I never want the nightmare where we beat Alabama the first time and then they come back. Exactly. Yeah, great point. Yeah, that is. That's. Uh, let's not even talk about that. <laughs> but, I mean, other than Alabama, who are you scared of? Um, I'm not scared of really anyone. If I had to pick someone, um, I'd honestly say Oregon. Not, I don't think they're better than us, but I think they're better than Florida State, Michigan, and Ohio State and Texas. It'd be fascinating to play them and just see how much they've closed the gap in basically mm-hmm. 16 months with landing. Because right. you know he's closed it. There's no way it's going to be 45-3 again. No, that, that would be really interesting. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see, and we talked about this, I think, somewhere we could go and look at theoretical lines. Like, what will the line be, neutral site, 
Georgia, Oregon, Georgia, Washington, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, FSU, Texas, whoever. Yeah, that would be that would be cool I'm, to look at. I'm gonna work on that. Okay. That's that's an action item for me. I'll try and have that next time we talk. Okay. All right. Well, I've got to run, but as always, it was awesome talking with you. And uh, go dogs. You too. We'll go beat those ugly orange people. <laughs> the ugliest uniforms in college football. <laughs> That's and it's right. not even a close second. <laughs> All right. Go dogs. All right. Go dogs. And everybody should wish a happy birthday to Buffalo. What's up? Thank you. How you feeling this evening? I feel great. It's your birthday. How's it going so far? Going great. Everything's fine. All your wishes and dreams come true. All the presents Hell, not you all. wanted. <laughs> not all of not them. Not all. I woke up breathing. My wife and daughter, uh, well, both daughters, uh, wished me happy birthday. So the dog wagged his tail when I left this morning. So that's good. You woke up on the right side of the dirt. All the ladies in your life love you. Your dog loved you. It's all good. Yeah, I'm good, man. How you feel about the dogs? I feel like that we have the best offense in the nation. That's what I feel like. And we're going to prove it. I know our other two road games, not as much. We got another chance this week. Limit the turnovers. Because uh, I know we lost the turnover battle in both of those. But I'm feeling with, uh, you know, Brock Superman coming out of the phone booth on them, proving early in the game with the catch and, and the plan on that foot that he was totally healthy, thereby telling Wayne, hey, man, he's healthy. Y'all better account. Opened up all the doors. Uh, McCaukey's back looks like it's cooperating right now, which I, we've all been worried about. And then Mims coming back, which I've been crying. I would really want that to happen. And I mean, that, that the Ole Miss had a lot of sack numbers, but they didn't have any the other night. Uh, I don't think they touched Carson back. There was no tied country for Carson's uh, uniform after yeah. the game. No, Did they're not, not even going to watch. Tied country. Well, your boy Mims, I think, is a big reason why Kendall Milton had a special day. Yeah. Kendall was looking like he had little brief moments of it as a freshman, but he looked at all game, uh, planting his foot in the ground and running straight at people. Uh, gosh, that was – we get this rolling. Now, that's why I think we're the best offense. I, you know, I think uh, Mims is probably thinking to himself, I know I'm a first-rounder, but I've been hurt most of the year. And where am I in the first round? So, man, I think I need to lay down a little tape here late to elevate my position. So I think we're going to see a lot out of him, man. It's only going to pay dividends. I love that theory. And that's, I think you're exactly right. He does need to lay down some serious tape. Yeah, I mean, he's got plenty from years past, but he doesn't have a whole lot. What does he have? A couple of uh, jump games and then got hurt in the South Carolina game. When was that? Second quarter? I don't, I don't remember. Third game of the year. I mean, he came back for the 10th. Yeah, so he's he's probably motivated, but not only he's motivated for us, right? But at the same time, he has his own thing to worry about, and they go hand in hand. And he's gonna show us again this Saturday, I hope. 
I have no doubt. Yeah. And then on the defensive side, I think Lane Kiffin said it best in his text message to uh, Kirby after the game, the, the, the three safeties back there, because he's running two freshmen back there, I think. And it showed a little bit. But the three-headed monster with Ty Key, uh, uh, Malachi, and, and, and the bull. <laughs> I mean, Bullard's a beast. He is a beast, man. I mean, he brings the thunder. And how about C.J. Allen? Oh, that was my next point. <laughs> C.J. Allen looks like a bank safe with a with an Indian-made Brahmos missile attached to his back. I mean, this guy, I don't know if it's the 33, but he just looks boxy. He does. He doesn't look like he's fast when you look at him on TV. Uh, but, man, he arrived at uh, a couple times on the edge there. He arrived quick. He's fast as can be. Did, did, I heard uh, Matt Stinchcomb talking about, did you, you, you know, when the, they pulled their big tackle uh, around, he's like, man, he took that guy out of his cleats. Yeah, I mean, they were talking about it on uh, Read and React last night with Roman Harper. He goes, watch this play. And they pulled the tackle through there, and he just went in there and just knocked him over and, I mean, knocked him back into his running back. It was amazing. Yeah, and stood over him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's 18 or 19, but – He's like, yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm the man. Yeah, I mean, all of a sudden, it's like nobody's asking about JDJ anymore because after that game. I know, Pop. I mean, you know, uh, we want Pop to get back. But, but at the same time, man, this guy, let's get a little experience here for the next couple of weeks. And uh, woo, hit him in the rotation may be what you need against uh, the, old, uh, the old Darth Vader down there. Yeah, well, he had been playing a lot. I mean, he, he was had, like, he had. He, but, he was first guy in, but I mean, this was his first real start. Yeah, he was able to kind of rhythm, get the rhythm, and 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 we see a big block of his play. Uh, and he, when he got beat on the pass, he, he was right there on the guy's back. Yeah, uh, in the old game the other night. Uh, he, he, gosh, I mean, that guy. He's and I saw some. There was some article I didn't read it, but some of the players were saying he reminds them a little bit of Nakobe already. Uh, and his leadership and all that kind of stuff. I think Kirby talked about that. Really? He's already getting vocal in the last. Well, he's getting a little Nakobe, you know, comparison there. I love it. I th- and a little Roquan-ish with that speed. Yeah, that side to side. I don't know. Man, I don't think it'd be – but, yeah. Not, that, not as big, but still that impactful. Well, the fact that he took on that tackle, I don't know how – what is he? Two thirty-five. That's what they list him. I don't know what he is. Yeah, I don't either. But he must—he must have that Heinz Ward spring in his stomach that just releases all the force. You know, your physics teacher taught you in high school. Just boom. Yeah. He—that's he, a lethal combination. It is a lethal combination. It was great to see. I uh, really wasn't worried based on what I had already seen him do. Uh, throughout the course of the year, playing with the ones, but I, you know, he just really shined. He flashed. Yeah, he he did. I mean, I, the whole country was talking. I mean, all your buddy Herb Street actually was was praising him. Yeah, uh, everybody. I mean, you got Herb Street, you got Roman Harper, you got the Stinchman brothers. I mean, just everybody's talking about C.J. Allen now. Yeah, he's he's something else. He is something else. Uh, okay, before I go to Tennessee for a brief, I'll just have a brief thing about Tennessee. Man, 
Let's talk about. I, you, I know you've already talked about, but the Michigan, the uh, crying act by the by the by the interim or whatever you want to call him, the three game dude. That reminded me of. I did, I haven't even watched the whole thing. I quit about fourteen seconds in. I was like, I'm not watching this. It looked like a reality show, a, a Real Housewives, a, a a Big Brother, or some kind. It was so ridiculous. It, it was like he was the designated crier that they were like, all right, now when you get out there, cry. And here's the most contradictory thing. I'm, I'm at a loss for words for what this is. First thing he does is he thanks God. Then he proceeds to drop two F-bombs and say yeah. S-H-I-T. And I'm like, well, God doesn't want to be brought into your mess. Why are you him into this? Yeah. On live TV. I mean, how are they letting this guy get away with that? Well, it's Michigan. Know. It doesn't matter. You, you're 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 Michigan. You can drop f bombs. Michigan. It's Michigan. They can do whatever they want. They can cheat. They can drop f bombs. We don't care. You ever see the movie Harlem Nights? Yes. Yes. Remember when they? I think I don't know. They killed somebody, and then uh, you had a uh, Arsenio Hall was real upset about it. He was like, and he was crying and shooting his Tommy gun at the same. They were trying to get whoever killed his friend. And, he was just blubbering, crying. That's what that guy looked like. I mean, it was anyway. And then the the the, the head reprobate decides to, to to come on Monday and say America. This should be America's team. It's unbelievable. It's like, what am I watching here? They're they're trying to position themselves as being victims. We've been victimized. You guys keep picking on us. You keep bullying us. Why are you picking on us? Nobody's picking on you. You're cheating, and you got caught. So stop trying to spin this into something that it's not. You're cheaters. You know what? They're actually dragging on my whole college football season 2023 experience. <laughs> so I love it all. You know, I love it all. I love one team, but I love the whole thing. And they have, you know, it's, it's like a, a – a postule on, on, on the face of the whole thing. I, I can't. I mean, they need to go away, man. I'm tired of them. Well, the thing is now I want them to win. Cause I want to be the ones to make them go away. I, I want to expose them just like we did two years ago when they, when they were cheating, when we beat them 34 to 11, we'll play them this time without any cheating. Um, they'll finally actually play somebody cause they haven't played anybody yet. Penn state doesn't count cause they've not played anybody. And um, give them what they deserve. Well, yeah, we already gave it to them a couple of years ago. We gave them what they deserve. I knew when they got off the plane with those fly white track suits, it was over. When, when, when Michigan, or they got off the bus to go into our Orange Bowl game, I was like, they're done. Gerard and I watched it up here. I was like, look at, look at them right there. They're cooked. They're going to be cooked. If it happens again, they're going to be cooked. Harbaugh is so out of touch with reality that he has the gall to say that they're America's team. That's what I'm saying. I mean, what what planet is that guy on? I don't know. <laughs> it defies logic. He has no – he's not going to admit to anything. Now his brother's saying uh, they're not going to find anything on him. I don't know. You know, the whole – you know, Tom Cream's their brother-in-law. It's a kook festival. The father's crazy. Yeah. 
Hey, he's saying bizarre stuff like, yeah, I get to go to court and I get to talk. I've always fantasized about, you know, going into court and hammering away at some attorneys like I was on a few good men. I'm like, you're <laughs> going to end up being the Jack Nicholson of this little uh, skit here, Jimmy. Just, uh, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's like. I mean, how they have replaced Ohio State for us. Yeah, we, didn't think it was possible. we didn't think it was possible. Big time. That Ryan Day now, I'm like, okay, whatever. Now he's gone. I, yeah. I forgot about him for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Enough about those jokers. Okay. Tennessee game. We crushed them 17, 19, 21. I think we've gone over 40 every time. It seems like, I don't know. It seems like, well, maybe not the last time we played it, but the other times we jumped, especially in 17, jumped them early. I think it was 24 nothing and a half. Uh, that would be nice to do this year to not give the obligatory opening drive touchdown that I've been talking about forever. Let's not do that this yeah. time. It'd be cool if we, we, we could not do that and just jump on them. Then if we jumped on them, but I do think they're kind of thinking of this as their Super Bowl. So I'm a little, you know, I don't know. They probably bring some pretty good play first. Crowd will be into it. We need to turn the crowd on them. Yeah. A yeah. So that'd be nice. Last week, man, I mean, uh, Cody, he went Led Zeppelin on him, man. He went, he rambled on. <laughs> if I say a running back rambled on, I don't know if I've said that since uh, Billy Sims ran rough shot over the Kansas Jayhawks back in 1970. He was running and still running. Yeah. Well, what we have going against us, like we do with a lot of teams we play maybe every team we play is they don't want to get embarrassed and they don't want to get embarrassed at home and they just got embarrassed on the road so anything that they can possibly do to rally they're going to do and i think that just like lane kiffin they're going to pull out every stop they're going to run you know fake punts on their own five when it's fourth and 50 um but i just think that you know that kind of emotion whatever it is that hypo is going to do to get them hyped it's going to last them about five minutes into the game. Yeah. I mean, because we're just going to come out there like surgeons and methodically carve them up. I think so. I don't know. With, with this offense and the way our defense, you know, settled down and played and has played all year, you know, they might get a little something. But I know uh, you probably heard the stat. Maybe we've talked about it that the Tennessee scored one second half touchdown and the Second half of the last four SEC games since October 1st, offensive touchdown. Uh, that ain't going to work if they continue that. Now, another bet, those games, a lot of those, well, no, they had a home game with uh, like AM, I think. But yeah. Their offense, that's not the offense we remember from last year that we stymied, but they were still they were still pretty good. I don't think Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker are not the same. I didn't know that stat that you just said about one offensive, one touchdown, offensive touchdown. In their SEC games, and I count their game against UConn, in their SEC games, the one second-half touchdown offensively since October the 1st. Wow. That was a 12-yard That's run against the stark. State. They had a 39-yard return against somebody, Texas A&M maybe. And one of their top receivers is out. Yeah, so I, I'm not going, but I, man, I'm 
I'm, I'm not worried too badly. About this game. It's it's like the last three games. I'm worried that I'm not worried, and good things have happened. Yeah. So. Do you think we should try and see what Dogger yeah, has to so think about this? Yeah, let's see what this. the Dogger has. I want, I want to hear this week's <clears throat> report. The Dogger, dogger is got? here. The Dogger, the dogger is, is here. here. I love it. Big Welcome. shout out to big shout out to the Bobber for a happy birthday. Well, thank you, Dogger. It's always good to uh, celebrate yeah. another year. <laughs> that it is. Starting as long as the dogs wagging at you when you leave the room, that's always good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, go dogs! That was a uh, a good win last week. Obviously, a kind of pretty much a route. I didn't uh, pay too much attention in the second half, but um, I do eventually uh, during this conversation go back to what Cassidy Pearson was saying and talk about the theoretical lines. That's something Bobber and I. We had already predicted the George Alabama line for the um, SEC championship. So I think we should include that going forward, Mad Dog. Exactly. Yeah, I think, I think what we, was it? Yeah. I thought we were two and a half somewhere. Uh, yeah, we, I think one of us said two and a half, the other one three. Yeah, and so, so we were, we were right there. Three and a half, so we're kind of on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I will, I'll go ahead and say Georgia, Georgia Tech is 39. What? <laughs> Good God. Wow. I'm just, Man, just because, uh, yeah. Are you kidding? Uh, I'm probably exaggerating a little bit because of the Withers clan hates Georgia Tech, but um, but it's it's going to be up there. It, uh, I would probably more realistically say, uh, definitely over thirty. Wow, that's just uh, that's the dollar's opinion. That not saying that's right. Well, they've just been so Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, you know, you got the Bowling Green debacle, and then they come back and they beat. Miami, of course, that was a gift, but that I mean, was, Miami should yeah. have never. Miami should have never had them that close in that game anyway. And then they've beaten a couple of. Didn't they beat North Carolina? They did. They did. Yeah. Yep. So I don't so, know. Yeah, it's uh, maybe it's. Where is that game? Is it at Tech? In Atlanta. Yeah. It's yeah yeah. So I could be off, but uh, yeah, I'd have to give some more thought to it. But I, I, I like that uh, that theory of predicting what certain lines would be in the future. Well, I'd like to see theoretical lines of, you know, say Georgia versus the top six teams as they're ranked now. Like I know neutral field, what would Georgia versus Ohio State or Michigan or Washington or Oregon or Texas be or FSU? Is, can, is that something you can look up? I can't know. I can't look it up, but I could off the top of my head, and I'm sure Bobber can do this, and you probably can too, Mad Dog. On all those you just named, I can. I think we could give a pretty educated guess. All right. What would you say Georgia Ohio State would be? Six. Dogs minus six. What about Michigan? Six. FSU. Eleven. Uh, Washington. Five. Oregon. So. Because of what happened the last time, like Cassidy said, I think they're playing really well. But I'll go, I'll go seven. So that's what I like. Seven. Texas. Nine. Okay. Hmm. When those I are like all, all those, the only one I say is I think Washington would be more 
You mean it'd be what I, I can't remember what I said, honestly. Five. Okay. You'd five. like it a little lower? I'd go a little more. They've beaten, what, three ranked teams in a row, maybe, but they've been teetering here a little bit. We'll find out. Let's watch this Oregon State game in, in uh, Corvallis. Yeah. We'll see. Because they're two and a half point dogs at Oregon State over there, aren't they? They are. Yep. Yeah. We'll get into that in here in a second. But yeah. Um, like Mad Dog has said on the side, Corvallis is a tough place to play, so it will be yeah. interesting. It's 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 always foggy there. Yeah, it is it's foggy and and it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of wet, drippy kind of feeling. And and I've been told by my friends who've been there, and I'm nothing against Oregon State. But they they claim that they're the worst looking women they've ever seen in the state. <laughs> Yeah, but in that environment, I mean, wet beaver is slippery. So, well, it is a it is a night game. So I don't know what the weather is going to be like. I would assume it's going to be raining. Maybe um, foggy. It'll definitely be foggy. Always foggy. Apparently yeah. slippery. Very, very <laughs> slick. Very slick. Yeah. All right, we ready to dive into last week? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so uh, the dogger is making a, a slay. I still have a long way to go, but last week I picked first and I went four and two. Uh, Mad Dog went three and three. Mm. The Bobber went two and four, and Bert went two and four. So for this season, the dogger is 13, 19, and two. Mad Dog is 15, 17, and two. The Bobber is 14, 18, and two. Ooh. And Bert is nine and eight and one. It's pretty tight. So I haven't done I haven't done what the uh, the average of those are. I, I probably should have done that with with our stat man off the air tonight. Um, but obviously, I'm I'm still bringing up the rear, but I'm trying to make a charge here in the last few weeks. So what are we? Yeah, you're one game back of me. That's right. Yeah. What's that, Mad Dog? I said, I just, I can't wait to hear the games we have on tap. <laughs> All right. So on tap, we have, so Mad Dog goes first. I went first last week. And just, I'm a, uh, always try to keep the uh, CFP and then consideration top four, but there weren't many. I think there were only three top 25 games this week, if I remember right. Uh, but the first one at 12 o'clock, you have Michigan at Maryland. Michigan is minus 19. I'm picking Maryland to cover. Okay. Bobber. Uh, I'm gonna take uh I'm gonna take Michigan minus 19. All right, and we got his uh our statistician Bert is he's in route to South Dakota probably to kill a, an elk or a moose or something. Who knows what he's out there doing? Did we lose you? Hello, dog, dog. Are you are you back? Hello. Yeah, we got you. What what did you say? The stat freak. What did he pick? Sorry, sorry. I don't know what happened there. Um, the stat freak. I don't know if he was out going to South Dakota for elk hunting or moose hunting. He took Maryland. I like it. Okay. And I'm going Michigan. Okay. Uh, and then the next game is Arizona versus Utah at Arizona, and that is at two thirty. Arizona is minus one. So, Mad Dog first. Mm. 
Why is that minus one? That's a good point. That's they're saying Utah's giving up. I believe in the Utes and Kyle Willingham. I'm going Utah. Uh, I believe in uh, what's his name, Judd Fish. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in Judd Fish. I'm going Wildcats minus one. Although I would advise anyone who's actually betting on this to just stay away from this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bert has Arizona, and I am going to go the Utes. So, uh, Mad Dog and I have the Utes, and Rob and Bert have Arizona. All right. And then always we're going to take total in the Georgia tennis and Georgia games, and Georgia Tennessee at three thirty is at Tennessee, obviously, and total is fifty eight and a half. Man, that's exactly the same as last week, wasn't it? Uh, last week was fifty eight and a half. Yep. Yeah. Once in a while, I remember stuff. I'm going over because that worked last week. <laughs> I am too. I'll go over. I went under last week, and then I told somebody I thought the game would be 47 to 20 or something. And I'm like, why did I say, you know, so I'm going over. <laughs> pretty stupid. <laughs> Bert has the under as well, or Bert's the only one with the under because I'm going over. Okay. And then uh, at 3.30, we're going to go Clemson, North Carolina. Clemson seems to be playing a little bit better. Game's at Clemson. Clemson is minus six and a half. I'm taking Dabo. Taking Clemson for Mad Dog. I will take Dabo as well. I'm going to go off the cuff. I don't what I can't remember that guy's name. He had a basketball brother on the UNC team. What, what's their quarterback's name? Drake May. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to go with North Carolina. I think he has a big game. Uh, so, and Bert has Clemson. So, three Clemsons, one North Carolina. At 7 o'clock, we have Kansas State and Kansas. To me, this line is really weird because it's at Kansas. They're both ranked in the top 25, and Kansas State is minus eight. Taking Kansas State. I'm going to take Jayhawks. All right, uh, and Bert has Kansas State. I am going to go. This is a toss-up for me. Um, man, I'm going to go Kansas. Real opportunity for the Mad Dog here to pull away. Well, Bert has Kansas State too. Ah, okay, darn it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, mine hasn't. I haven't finalized that. No, I'll keep it at Kansas. I was going to switch. Um, all right, at 7.30 p.m., we have Oregon State versus Washington. This is one that Cassie loved to talk about. Yep. Um, and I know who David like, or Mad Dog, excuse me. Um, who is this David guy you keep I know, I'm, my bad. <laughs> I, think I think everybody knows who you are. I'm the oh, guy. It's a closely guarded secret. <laughs> uh, all right, so Oregon State is minus two and a half. Oh, I'm going Oregon State. Oregon State minus two and a half. Beavers all the way. Uh, yes, me too. Uh, we hadn't had the uh, uh, upper echelon of you know the, the top six teams. Haven't had the big craziness yet. It's getting late. I'm going Oregon State. I believe in uh, Tua's brother. Yeah, it's not. It's not Tua's brother. I mean, 
It's DJ Ukulele. Yeah, well, guys, from Clemson. Except that's not how you say his last name. The, uh, yeah, I, I called Bedlam uh, the Oklahoma Oklahoma State weekend, and there was a little bit, but not in the top, really top seven or six or something. So I'm going to go with like, Bert has Washington, and I'm going to go with the two of you, and I'm going to go Oregon State. Okay. And then the final one, we actually added a seventh just to keep uh, since we're late in the season to keep all the people that still have a chance for the national or at least for the CFP. Um, we added Texas and Iowa State. Texas is at Iowa State, 8 o'clock p.m., and Texas is minus seven and a half. I'm going with the Cyclones, baby. <laughs> Texas has been cheating death for too long. They've been flirting oh. with disaster, and the Cyclones are about to wipe them out. Me too. Where are they in Ames? I'm going with they are. They are names. Yeah, I'm going with Iowa State, man. I, I, I'll take what, what did you say? Seven and a half? Uh, seven and a half is right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going with them. I, I think you and I went through Ames one time. Um, the uh, I'm going to go Iowa State as well. So, yeah, I'm calling for a big weekend of, of upsets, knocking some of these people out to kind of smooth the path. All right. So we have everybody. That is it. Well, since the stat freak's not here, then in his honor, we're going to talk about net yards per play. <laughs> and right now, at the top, at three net yards per play is Oregon. Wow. Followed by Ohio State at 2.57. Very closely followed by our dogs at 2.56. And in fourth place is Michigan at 2.43. Washington's the next team, and they're below them at 2.1. And just for a little context, Tennessee is at 1.59. Tech is at 0.16. And Alabama is a lowly 1.26, even though their talent composition ranking has them with the most talent in the country by far at over 1,000. Their talent is also ranked one. Next on that list, as far as talent and talent rank, is us at just under a thousand on the talent composition and talent rank of two. I would have thought, after what we had done to uh, Ole Miss, that our number would have just been jacked. But you know, it's kind of like pushing up a GPA at this point. Right. You know, you're mixing in ten other games, nine other games. Yeah. Uh, but we made some definite ground on um, Ohio State. To me, Oregon's still kind of gaudy at three. And it also t speaks to the, the defense played in the Pac-12. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, the head-scratcher for me is, is Tennessee has a higher number than Alabama. That is weird. They're at 1.59. Well, they had that UConn game. You know, that's an outlier because they had the ball – I think they had the ball in that game less than 10 minutes or somewhere. Well, not less than 10 minutes, but they had the ball about 25% uh, of the time. They scored 56 points. I think they just railed it up on old Geno and the, and the Huskies. I don't know who UConn's coach is, so I just said Geno. Uh, <laughs> well, but 
you, you know, you make a very valid point. Is is that game because it was so uh, far out of whack? Is is what made their number probably jump Alabama? I mean, that had to help them. I don't yeah, know. I mean, they still had a bunch of other games, and it, like I said, a slow push. But Ole Miss is still leading the turnover margin in the SEC at plus eight, followed by LSU plus five, Auburn at plus four. And then a three-way tie at plus three with Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee. The worst defensive team in terms of yards per play is your Florida Gators. I'm really surprised yards per play for Georgia didn't jump more than that after after last week. But like you said, Mad Dog, it's uh, it's trying to raise my 2.1 to a 2.5. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it was always tough to explain that to your parents. Oh, we got a flame blew out. Hey, hey, happy birthday. There you go. You're going to light that candle or you already blown it out? <laughs> yeah, it came out. I think it went out down the stairs. <laughs> Thank you, Anna. Thank you so much. Way to go, Anna. We All know right. what you're wishing for. A three-peat. Oh, yeah. Three for the G, baby. I'm not supposed to tell my witches. <laughs> you haven't. You didn't blow out a candle, so you didn't. You didn't wish anything. Oh yeah, that's right. Have yeah, you have good. you seen Have you seen this year's shirts that in front of them say three for the G? No. Okay, go online, and, and the front has the the Mad Dog uh, logo, and it says oh, three for I didn't the know G. You did it, really. And then yeah, three for the G. The back says. Bowers dot 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 or Beck for Heisman because Bowers is the best in the country, but he's not going to have the stats. And meanwhile, Beck slowly moving up the chart. Creeping up. Creeping I saw up. he was. Uh, um, I saw Pollock had him ranked number three. Yeah. Currently, uh, so where do you go? Uh, tell the audience and me, dogger, where I go to. to uh, if you're local, you can go to making monogramming. Okay. And if you're not local, we are still working through uh, technical difficulties on allowing okay. it to be done right. online. But right. it will be done just in time for Christmas. <laughs> All right. I we need one of those. We also have snazzy pullovers. Nice. Wow. I yeah. can get one and I can ship it up to Bobber. Yeah, it's, it's easy for you. Just whip by yeah. making monogramming. All right. That's about 500 yards from the house. So that's that's all right. There you go. Yeah. Well, gents, I'm late for dinner, so uh, I think we're going to wrap this up. And uh, I would like to once again wish Buffalo a happy double nickel. I hope all your dreams come true. Thank you. Sammy happy Hayes. birthday, Bobber. Go dogs. Go dogs. All right, dogger. See y'all. <laughs> go dogs. <laughs> Now it's Michigan versus everybody and Ohio State versus the world. But the reality is our Georgia Bulldogs ruled this planet and Kirby is the king. And if you are our next opponent, we are your natty and everyone that we play is runner up. We're first and you're last and all other teams better learn to love it because that's the world that we live in now. And in that world, where our dogs are finally healthy, except for JDJ, get well soon. And when I say healthy, I mean Mims is back. And of course, I mean Superman is back. I mean 
the mythical creature, the freak of nature, the unicorn, the alien, the Sasquatch that is Brock Bowers is back. And when that was announced pregame, it was like a bomb went off and the whole stadium became electrified, full body chills. The energy went from a nine to a 19. It was a way bigger deal than clinching the East by virtue of the Missouri win over Tennessee. And then the Brock Bowers questions just kept coming. Is it a token start? Will he just be a decoy? Will he be on a pitch count? And Brock Bowers answered with, I'm starting and I'm also finishing this game. He finished it with an exclamation point touchdown, which I called, by the way, because everyone was whining about him staying in the game. I said, everybody, please calm down. It's crystal clear while he's still in the game. He's getting his last Sanford Stadium walk-off TD. And the next play, that's exactly what he did. Never doubt me, ever. Now, of course, back to the cheaters, the Michigan cheaters. They have the audacity to try and spin doctor this debacle into them being the victims. We're all just picking on them. We're all just bullying them. And if you want to recap exactly why that is categorically inaccurate, then all you got to do is read Mark Slayball's ESPN article from November 10th at 3.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It gives the perfect recap of every stupid, silly thing that they've done in the year 2023 and beyond. And a lot. Harbaugh started this year by being suspended for cheating. And of course, he lied about the fact that he was cheating. Then there was a mysterious computer access crime scandal that resulted in a Michigan coach firing. We still don't even know what that is. Then I think something happened to Bo Schembechler's son where he put out something on social media that wasn't too flattering, so they had to let him go. And now the latest suspension for another cheating scandal. And what happens? Michigan got a token wrist slap and they're still crying like babies wallowing in dirty diapers. Harbaugh's suspension only means that he misses the actual games. He gets to coach all week. He's with the team all week. And when the actual game comes, he has to go to timeout. It's like if you were in high school and you got put on suspension by your parents and they said, now you can hang out with your friends all week, but for three hours on Saturday, you can't. You'll still get your full allowance and you can even FaceTime them, but you can't physically be in their presence. B-F-D. It's absolutely meaningless. So then the Michigan cheer cheaters made Sharon Moore their interim coach for the Penn State game. And here's where the Michigan cheaters showed how classless they truly are. Post-game interview, it almost felt like the whole thing was fabricated. Sharon Moore, the interim coach, starts by thanking the Lord, and then he starts crying, and then he starts dropping F-bombs and says, dollar sign, H-I-T. I'm sure the Lord was up in heaven going, why are you dragging me into your dumpster fire? Sharon Moore, you are like school in the summertime, no class. And by the way, there is no crying in football unless you win a natty, so dry those tears, loser. Last thought on the subject for now. Although Michigan players like 
well, we thought we were good at football, but we were really just good at cheating. So we really suck. Next, Bama rematch. Good. We need to beat them in the SEC championship game to serve final notice that we own the SEC and the dog dynasty is in full bloom. Kirby needs to be the coach to put the proverbial dagger in the devil's back to signify the passing of the torch, unwilling though it may be. So welcome back, Bama. We missed you last year, said no one ever. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Samford Company, Dogbone.net, Bulldog Illustrated, Classic City Collective, The Park Group Marketing and Media, Bib Distributing, Sellers Construction, Ventures Barbecue, Go Clean Co., Jay Lee, Attorney at Law, Pelicano Construction, Jag's Pizzeria, Macon Monogramming, Ortho Georgia, Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Butler Auto Group, ASP, Ward Mini Storage, Walthall Oil Company, Beach Services, Willingham Sash and Door, and Grenford Chiropractic.